Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. What's up, everybody, and welcome uh, to a brand new live episode of The Geek Buddies! Hey! You don't quite have that, like, that Shannon McClunga buddies! Yeah, yeah. Like, he's a little Scottish pirate. (laughs) Or the early morning one. Buddies. Buddies. That's me, Kathleen Turner. Ah, yeah, that one. For sure. And speaking of our friend Shannon McClung, he is coming back from his honeymoon today. So we don't know if we're going to get Shannon to pop in and do a cameo at some point during the show. But we are live here uh, on the show. We're excited to get into so many topics that are going on in the world of entertainment. We've got a bunch of trailers to talk about, like Knuckles and the Moana 2 trailer or teaser trailer. And then we got a Quiet Place Day 1 trailer. we got to get into the Coyote versus Acme situation. Bob Iger slowing down Marvel production. What does that mean? Making all these comments about Star Wars movies. Uh, we got the Kevin Conroy controversy we're going to touch upon as well. Uh, some some news around the Prey sequel, which somebody might have broken some details on on this channel a couple of months ago. We've also got, uh, what else have we got? Oh, Donald Glover talking about Lando, where he's at on that. Uh, and so much going on in the world of entertainment. And I'm going to just go, you know, just toss this stuff out. Vogel and I are going to go back and forth and have fun with it. Our Streamlabs and Super Chats are open, don't forget. Uh, so send in your Streamlabs Super Chats as we go along. But some of you might be new to our show for the first time. Maybe you like the headline, you like the thumbnail, you're jumping in. So let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And I'm wondering why everybody's talking about all this sports stuff in the chat, guys. Are they? Don't. What sports sport stuff? Sports what? stuff. Sport right before we hopped on, they were talking about. Oh, I guess there's. I guess there's a bowl this week. <laughs> um, all I know is I'm going over to yeah. a friend's house to eat a lot of really bad food and watch the uh, the the de- the Deadpool three spot. That's yes. Really, and 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 we'll see if Taylor Swift makes it there in time. That's what I'm doing Whoa, on Sunday. And, I, and there's a football game 
around it. Oh, oh, what you're saying makes it from Japan to the football game, not to yeah. y'all's get together. No, Taylor. No, no, no. Listen, listen. Taylor Swift has better places to be than I our Super know. Bowl party. I know the reach of our friend. It is a possibility, <laughs> maybe. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, I won't be able to join you guys because I, I appreciate the invitation. But I got to stay here and work. I'm going to be reacting to trailers, reacting to spots, uh, and what have you here. And of course, probably doing a post reaction to the Super Bowl on the channel. So no rest for the weary here um, as we go along in the days uh, leading up to the Super Bowl for sure, which is this Sunday. The lady is going out of town for seven days starting this Sunday to house sit for her sister. So I will have the run of the house walking around in uh, in my box of briefs and pizza. That's basically it for, uh, for a 24-hour period. You're going to wear pizza? <laughs> hey, man, if I could... Hey, if Lady Gaga can wear a meat dress and Miley Cyrus can wear a dress of gold, um, gold paper clips or whatever with safety pins, I, I think I can get away with a with a pizza suit. I think, don't you? Pizza just, suit, okay. You know, yeah, just throwing it. Sounds out. tasty. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into stuff. We got a lot going on. As I said, we're seeing already some incredible super chats coming through. Send them in. The Streamlabs address is uh, pinned in the chats in the description of the video, and one day it's going to be up on the graphics. Uh, there on our channel and uh, or on our show, and I'll and you guys will even have access to it easier and easier as well. But let, oh, is is it today National Pizza Day? Well, I'll be damned. I did not know that, Mike. So oh. today is National. What by the get way? Your, what do you have on the sign? Get your pizza suits, everybody. Get those pizza suits. <laughs> what do you have on the sign behind your head? What is that? This this what, sign right here. What's it say? Yeah, what's it say? It doesn't say anything. It is oh. uh it is six dollar bills. Oh. That uh, my yes. brother had made for me um, a couple Christmases ago. Yeah. And he found an artist who would actually paint things on the dollar bills. Ooh. And he picked six characters that represent who I am and what I've done. Wow. So we, got a, we have a Superman dollar bill. We have a Woody from Toy Story dollar bill. That makes sense. We have a Rainbow Dash from My Little Pony dollar bill. Mm. We have a Strawberry Shortcake dollar bill. We have a Sully from Monsters, Inc. dollar bill. And we have a Captain America dollar bill. Those are the $6 bills hmm. that make up a Vogel. Uh, yeah, I think I would agree with all those choices, uh, for God's sake. So, yeah, okay, that's cool. Uh, I would like to get that. That's a, that's a great idea. I wonder what six characters I might have on my dollar bill. Well, um, George uh, Costanza is one of them. <laughs> you know what? Larry David is back. Curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> I'm excited for it. Um, all right, I don't want to jump into the Coyote versus Acme story right off the bat. Let's work into that um, first, uh, uh, Mike. Let's talk about. Uh, let's see. Let's. What do we want to hit on? Uh, let's start with this Lando story. I don't know if you saw this, but Donald Glover has been talking about the level of control he is going to have for this project, and he was talking to the Hollywood Reporter about this, and uh, he had been. He said he agreed to the singular vision for this project. Uh, and he said, quote, I feel like I have enough control and maybe you get painted as a control freak. But it's like, yeah, control allows for the vision to be singular. And if the vision is singular, people want it more. The less it's singular, the less people want it because they feel like they could have made it. Look, we live in a time where anybody can fucking make anything. You go on TikTok, there's literally every type of thing. There's documentary, puppetry, yarn, stop motion. So why would you want something to feel? Why would you want to see something you feel like you could have made? So it's interesting comments here, Mike, when you break down what he said is essentially saying he, he wants nobody to mess with what he's trying to do here. We saw what happened with that Deadpool thing he was working on with his brother. Atlanta seems very much singularly his voice along with the director who's directed in the majority of the episodes. 
What are your thoughts when you hear this about the Lando situation here and him having singular vision? Because a lot of the complaints are that Kathleen Kennedy gets in there. Filoni might now with his new position might get in there. Do you think he's telling the truth about all of this? I mean, I think he is telling the truth, mainly if you're mm. reading some of the stuff that's coming out about Mr. and Mrs. Smith on yeah. um, Amazon Prime. You know, that was supposed to be Donald Glover and Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And right. yes. uh, they they very uh, very clearly made a split. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge talked about it several months ago. I think she compared it to a marriage that was breaking up. And I think Oof. Donald Glover recently in an interview kind of touched on it too and also talked mm. about it like this divorce and... You know, both of them pretty clearly. He was like, you can't have two captains. Mm. And both he and Phoebe Waller-Bridge, kind of to your point, are two people that, given their bodies of work, are known for their singular visions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at Atlanta, you look at Fleabag, you look at how they've sort of developed their personas, Donald Glover through his music as well, Phoebe Waller-Bridge through like the work that she's been doing. And you saw these two people that were very opinionated mm. come together to try and make something over here on Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And they they did not work well together. Yeah. Be and and ultimately, and you know, he says in that interview, uh, had, had Phoebe Waller-Bridge really wanted to keep going and pursue, he would have let her. But she right. kind of was like, I'm out. And he was like, cool, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. Yeah. Um, and so here with Lando, he's kind of saying the same thing. And I think, you know, Donald Glover is one of those personalities that I think that if Kathleen Kennedy came in and said, no, mm. he's in a unique position. He's in a different position than like Lord and Miller on solo or any, mm. any other director behind the scenes. And he's sure. in a unique position because everybody loves him yeah. as Lando Calrissian. Right. So right. as, as, as Lucasfilm is looking at let's do cool stuff but let's also make sure we're doing things that we know the fans are good with. Yeah. Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian is one of those rare Star Wars things that pretty much all the fans were all like, you know, we can all argue about a lot of things in Star Wars, but everyone's like, no, yeah, no, Donald Glover's a good Lando. Done. He's good. <laughs> so he's in a unique position because if he was yeah. just behind the scenes, if he was the, I'm the writer, I'm the writer director, and they had some other big star playing Lando yeah. and he was really pushing a vision that maybe made Kathleen Kennedy a little worried, made Bob Iger worried. Uh, and they were like, we don't want you to do it. Mm. They could remove him and do the same thing they've done with several other people. Right. But you can't remove him from being Lando. And so he's in a unique position where he can kind of be like, this is the Lando cover scene I'm making. And if you don't like it, fuck off. Well, he was getting, you know, I love it, the Atlanta series, but I know with Swarm and a little bit in the Atlanta series, he was getting some pushback and some um, some angry uh, responses to some of the decisions he made with some of the female characters. Here we go with a character like Lando, who is a notable ladies man. I mean, that's been a big deal. That's why you cast Billy D. Williams originally. You know, that's has he had that uh, aura about him and then land and then uh, Donald Glover's work on Solo leaned into that a little bit with how he communicated with certain people. So do you think that this is something like with his singular vision, do you think he wanted to make it clear? Like I, I want to live and die by what I'm doing here. And if you want to criticize it, they can or not criticize it, whatever, but I don't want to answer to anybody else in this situation. Yeah. And I know there's criticism, but I'm going to do it my way. And Kathleen, who keeps saying that she wants this series and wants to be, wants to see what it leads to, seems very clear that she is kind of stepping out of his way to let him do this is a unique situation mike yeah. 
uh, overall, right? Not just because he's playing both characters, not just because he's playing the character and directing, but also because he's getting this kind of latitude from um, Disney in the Star Wars side, which they haven't always given to any of the directors. It'll be, I mean, you know, I think to your point, yeah, we'll we'll all either like it or we won't, or some of us will like yeah. it and some yeah. of us will hate it. It'll be, it'll yeah. be, but like, but I think in his case, it'll be what he wanted it to be, right? You know, and that's kind right. of what he's saying, both in in the Lando interview and and as uh, the stuff is coming out on Mr. and Mrs. Smith, he's kind of mm. like, look, this is what I wanted to do. Yeah, and everybody's making shit, and if I'm gonna make shit, I'm gonna make shit that I want. Do you think and this signals a it, sea change, though? Do you think this opens the? Because I mean, again, one of the criticisms has been the Kathleen Kennedy people about. Do you think with Filoni now taking over, does this more of kind of put you know keeping the hands off of this stuff, or do you think this is just a unique situation for Donald Glover? I like. I think it's a unique situation just because he's the person in front of the camera. And he's the mm. one who's sort of creatively driving things behind the camera. So it's a lot harder to remove him. Gotcha. Uh, I, I don't know that it all of a sudden means that, I mean, and Filoni is also a unique thing because he yeah. like, he basically went to George Lucas university, yeah. got his diploma from professor Lucas yeah, and has that <laughs> seal of approval. So everyone's kind of like, all right, like he gets to do it because yeah. that's what it is. And we'll, and we'll see how he does um but yeah no so i don't know that this represents a sea change per se but i do think that um it'll be interesting to see what he does i mean to what you were saying about lando being a ladies man i'm pretty sure i might be misremembering this but i'm pretty sure when solo came out donald glover said more or less that uh lando was a ladies man and a man's man yeah all fair point yes and a computer man listen and he fucked a droid. And he's a droid so, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he fucked a droid. So I think that um, what I think will be really interesting <laughs> is if that remains true, A, it's yeah. just from a, the, how do you handle a character like Lando? If Lando was going around and just sleeping with women left and right, you could see a lot of ways how that could go down a uncomfortable road in 2024. Yeah, nowadays. Yeah, yeah. If Lando is sleeping with men and women left and right and droids i think we're kind of good so i think that uh but i think that there's a (laughs) this might surprise you but there is a section of star wars fans on social media who won't be a big fan of that so (laughs) it'll be interesting to see if that is something that he does and because he's getting to do his singular vision uh you know disney and lucasfilm let him do so it's gonna be interesting i think the lando series is going to be um it's either going to be a big mess or it's going to maybe give a big shot of freshness and adrenaline into the star wars franchise so we'll see i like that i like this comment from haunted underscore autumn lando would totally buy the dune popcorn bucket yes he would guys i literally i went on a date i'm gonna tell you a story i went on a date last weekend to go see mean girls yeah, and I uh, I had a little bit of rosé at brunch before I went to the theater. Okay, and I announced in the concession line to the lady at the Grove, the poor lady. I was like, I was like, you need to do something with that Dune popcorn bucket. <laughs> and she was like, What do you mean? And I was like, It 
it, it looks like a very uncomfortable sex toy. <laughs> and the guy I was on the date with elbowed me because there was a family with children right next oh, to no. me. And when I had a couple of drinks, I'm a little too loud. But it does look like a very uncomfortable sex toy. Yeah, it does. Very uncomfortable. I don't have, all I thought is vaginal dentata. And I, it's a bad image to have in my mind. Um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see uh, as we get closer to the Donald Glover series coming out, what that looks like. And uh, and if it happens, you know, everything with Star Wars the is. Star Wars, yeah. Happens, like, let's, we'll right? see if we see it. Or given where Hollywood is at right now, even oh. if they film it all, maybe we won't see it. So yeah, who knows? That's true. That's true. We'll get into that story in just a second. Uh, let's move on uh, to one other story before we get into that, and that is uh, the Jurassic World story. I don't know if you heard this, um, uh, Mike, but David Leach had been in talks to direct the next installment of the Jurassic World franchise, um, and it had been a bit, a bit of a tight window, I think, coming out on July 2nd of 2025. So like, this seemed like a pretty tight window to throw a director into, and of course he's directed Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, Bullet Train, but the reports are today that the talks fell through, so he is no longer going to be directing this next installment in the Jurassic World franchise. So what are your thoughts when you hear this, that David Leach has uh, been moved off of this, or the talks fell through, rather? Uh, and um, what would you, who do you think would be an interesting choice? Uh, and if you need more time on that one, you can take more time on that one. Well, just throwing it out. What do you think about this story? Did you like the choice? And now do you, are you surprised that he's been, that the talks fell through, in essence? It really is. All I can think of is uh, Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park 1 going, you were so focused on whether or not you could do it that you didn't stop to think if you should do it. And that is, I think, where we are currently at with the Jurassic Park franchise. Like, after Jurassic Park Dominion, yeah, what the fuck else can they do? That's true. Like, what? Like, come on. We've... What are, what are we even doing, guys? Yeah. And, like... I say that, and I know that I am guilty, and I, I I, will say this now so that we can pull up this footage yeah. a year from now when whoever is directing the movie is directing it and a trailer comes out. They will release a trailer. Mm-hmm. There will be dinosaurs in the trailer. Yes. They will play that music. Oh, yeah. And I will go... I'm probably going to go see this movie. Like, I'll, like I'll, I, I will keep going because I love Jurassic Park that much, but yeah. it's just... What else can they do? Now, aside from that, director choice, like, you need, if they're going to do anything with the franchise, you need someone really great. You need yeah. someone that is going to come in and who is a storyteller yeah. because they've sort of run it into the ground at this point. So I need someone who comes in and goes, guys, I loved Jurassic Park, the first movie, and I want to get back to that magic and here's what I want to do and comes up with a real zinger of an idea mm -hmm. he's not the guy that's gonna do that no yeah he's i was gonna, thinking that he's too gonna do some, he's gonna have some cool action yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but he's, he's but, not gonna tell the human story as effectively as like the first movie did right and that i tweeted this out that that's the thing that was missing from the last three installments and look the last one made a billion dollars right but it's been a bit of a law of diminishing returns in terms of the amount that they've made since that first Jurassic World, not Jurassic Park movie, Jurassic World right. movie, the most recent trilogy. And there's a reason Universe, uh, they want to go in another direction. It's because although they like the money, they are getting destroyed by critics and some fans of the franchises for the quality of these films. So do you I think mean, they want to go something smaller? That's why they went to David no. Leach? Because he doesn't have, he doesn't do no, big budget. they don't want to go smaller. Okay. Universal, All if right. they... If they could figure out how to do a Jurassic Fast and Furious 
movie together, they would do it. Like wow. they, they wow. would do it. Like they are like, like, this is their big, to your point, they, mm. it still makes money. It's yeah. in the theme parks. Like, like they, but they're determined to keep Jurassic Park going. Mm -hmm. But I mean, when you really look at it and look, Jurassic Park one, maybe one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. The yeah. movie that like changed cinema with the advent of digital graphics and what they could do with CG technology. Like it just, it was a, it was a Jurassic, Jurassic Park was a game changer and like a kick-ass Spielberg film. Yeah. Jurassic Park two, particularly in retrospect, now that we have the Jurassic world movies is not nearly as bad as no. a lot of people thought it was when it came out. Like you put on Jurassic Park two and it's actually, it's a fun ride. It's not yeah. as good as Jurassic Park, but compared to what we've gotten to it, it is cinema. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jurassic Park three is not cinema, but it's fine. It's, it's fine. Cute. They're it's on Joe Johnston. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, Jurassic World is a great idea. Mm. Jurassic World was an A plus idea. Yeah. It's years later. The world is not going to let this go. We figured it out. We opened the park. We did it the right way. There's people yeah. in the park. We're doing a disaster movie at a theme park. Like it was a great idea, just didn't really yeah. go anywhere. And then the two after that, just the less said the better. Yeah. I, I don't know what you do here. Cause I, this is a great point that MK Songberg is Songbird is bringing up. Cause on the heat vision on THR, uh, what they also wrote is that Universal is so far along on the project that Leech would essentially have been more of a shooter than someone who, who could have really put his stamp on the film. So now we're reduced to, I mean, if you're going to make all these changes and want to go in a whole new direction, and then the whole new direction is we've already got this thing figured out. We just need yep. someone to come in and shoot it and put a little bit of flair, a little stank on it, but not too much of a stank on it and just put it out I'm there. So I'm sure that's exactly what they said <laughs> in the meeting too. Yeah, maybe. I Could you know. put some stank on this? We'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Put your flair on it. So now this is, now that this is out there as a director, who wants to step in this kind of situation yeah. and do this? This well, seems to remove your artistic approach to it. You know, I mean, here's where, I mean, there's not what they're going to do, but like, mm. This is the world we live in, for better or for worse. And there's pros and cons to it, depending on the franchise. But yeah. because of the Kevin Feige syndrome, mm. when you have these big franchises, the studios and the executives and everybody are a little bit more like they're in the kitchen. Yeah, cooking. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, hey, come in and finish cooking this thing that we don't know. We put a bunch of things in the bowl, but how does the oven work? I don't know. And they bring someone in, the person's like, fuck, they really... I'll cook this as best I can, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck they put in this bowl. Like, that's kind of like where we're at. So, um, but like one of the things that you do, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're wanting to take a risk, is you do find someone who is like a younger up and comer who would mm. come in mm. and Not a bad idea. take whatever's in the bowl and go, look, this is my shot. Yeah, right. And maybe they're going to do some stuff with it that's going to... To, to, to take your phrase, put some stank on it. Um, but I don't know, you know, it's like, but I, I really do think that, you know, we did a geek bite this week about kind of where yeah. Marvel's at and where all these yeah. big franchises are at. And we talked a lot about like emotional storytelling and we talked a lot about kind of what's missing from the franchises that we love. And mm. I think a lot of times when you're looking at these big franchises and what are we doing to keep them going and we need to make them bigger and who are we getting the star in it and who are we do like, 
it it really is the basics that are getting lost. Yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't help that if you if the, you as a studio say we're going to go in a whole new direction, we're going to really kind of we, we love this franchise, we want to reboot it or, or restart it in a certain way, and then you've done all the work and then just want to hire a hire a, a director a director for hire in essence that isn't kind that isn't where you're actually making a difference in how you're approaching it, which is kind of scary to think about when you look at a big franchise like this, which has so many people who love it. How do you not go out there and go find a visionary director? I mean, you could go look at the guy from who did Godzilla minus one. What's his schedule? Like JJ uh, yeah. Abrams is a possibility. I saw some people mentioning that Dan Trachtenberg, we're going to talk about here in a little bit for the prey stuff. Like there's all kinds of stuff that available for people to possibly um, or directors out there for them to possibly look at, to come in and give a vision to it and this seems like antithetical to that approach uh overall yeah, yeah. i mean and i'll tell you something else just for, yeah not for nothing as for you jurassic park fans out there yeah you know what you know what actually is surprisingly good camp cretaceous on oh Netflix. yeah yeah like and i mean that's the series going, right the animated yeah, series. it's the animated cg series yep uh kind of takes place the first season kind of takes a place parallel at the same time ish as Jurassic World. Yeah. But I for for all that I thought that was going to be kind of a uh, who cares like right. compelling characters, interesting backstories and yeah. did cool stuff with the dinosaurs that I hadn't quite seen before. Um and I look that it, I'm not saying that necessarily would work for live action that they should right. adapt that, but it was kind of proof to me that there is still good story potential in the franchise. It's yeah. just Oh yeah. It's just in what it, what they were doing at DreamWorks Animation when they did it, like they were kind of finding fun stuff and the movies have not. Yeah, I just don't think this is the route. Go in and already figure out the story and do all the legwork, then hand it off to a director. That just doesn't make sense. Work with the director from the beginning so that you have a unique singular vision of how you're kind of reimagining this franchise and have fun with it. So, uh, yeah, it just doesn't make sense how they're doing it for sure. Um, all right, let's hit one last story before we uh, take a quick break, and then we'll jump into the Coyote versus Acme story. We've got 225 of you joining us live. Thank you very much for joining us live. Make sure you hit a like on the video, subscribe uh, to the channel. But let's move on to this Dan Trachtenberg story. We are mentioning him already here, uh, Mike, and this is uh, having to do with the Prey sequel. Uh, this was being reported today that the new that a new Predator movie is in the work uh, works here from 20th Century Studios and filmmaker Dan Trachtenberg, uh, who earned an Emmy nomination for 20, his 2022 Predator movie. Pray here. This will supposedly be titled Badlands. Uh, it is not a direct sequel uh, to Prey, which was set in 1719. The details are being kept under wraps for now, but there are stories coming out that it will be set sometime in the future uh and will have some kind of connection to amber mid thunder's mid thunder's character from the first movie and just to give a little bit of background um uh one of the new segments i've been doing on my shows uh is called roca's rumors and i have a couple of sources that i've developed over the last few months of people who are inside and a couple of months ago i got this tip from them i'm gonna play it for you guys right now and we can have a conversation about it here in a second um what my source is hearing about the prey sequel is that it might be based in world war ii 
with a Native American soldier who is a Navajo code talker and will be a descendant of Amber Midthunder's character from the first film. And that'd be real interesting if that's where they go with that. Because, um, you know, I was in Wind Talkers, that film that John Woo directed with Nicolas Cage and Christian Slater, Adam Beach, um, Francis O'Connor and other, and Stellan Skarsgård, or not Stellan, uh, Peter Stormari. And although the film isn't 100%, uh, isn't the best film, but it's still proud to be in it. Um, what I learned from it was so much about the Navajo Code Talkers. And I have a book on them somewhere in my uh, library of books. It is a fascinating experience. And I think this would be a great idea for a sequel for Prey. Rather than a direct sequel, you go decades later, and it is someone who has had the story of Amber Midthunder's character passed on through multiple generations. And this person is now um, confronting the aliens, having heard the story. Maybe this person even questioned the, the validity of these stories, but also is a Navajo code talker, so involved in World War II. So there's all kinds of things that go on here between the battles versus the aliens and the battles versus the Nazis and the Japanese in World War II, because that's where the Navajo code talkers really came into play, was in those battles in Japan and um, in the Pacific. So could be very interesting to go that route. I kind of like that idea. Do you, do, you, do you like that idea? Do you like the Navajo Code Talker? Do you like the possibility it's set in World War II? Uh, what are your thoughts on this? What are you doing right I now? I like that we're cutting to video now. Like, we're like all fancy. Look at you. I'm oh, trying to do this video. Oh, you know, ba -ba -ba. Uh, look out. Put on the well, pizza freaks, suit and go. This yeah, well, guy is killing it. Yeah. Um, I think this no I think this is great and because yeah. I think that um you know as we were just talking about the Jurassic Park franchise and yeah. what can they do to like revive it and you know we've had multiple predator movies and when prey came out yeah pretty much resoundingly everybody was like fuck finally like this is this is a predator movie right and I think when we talked about this, several months ago mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we were talking about it seemed because of the post-credit sequence that if they were going to make another one it might just pick up from there and the more predators come and attack the village and you could re there is a compelling argument on a, a direct sequel yes but we yes. also did say that this was kind of proof that you could kind of take the predator and put it anywhere you can put yeah. the predator in ancient rome you can put the predator in the old west you sure. can put the predator in um the the incan empire like it doesn't matter the whole concept of the predator works and putting the predator with these warriors from different time periods so this kind of feels like maybe the best of both worlds like mm. this is a we showed you the predator in north america fighting indigenous tribes yeah, a now we're going yeah, yeah. to show you the predator in world war ii right completely different scenario completely different levels of technology levels of weaponry coming yeah. into the middle of a giant war like the the potential for what you can do with a predator is huge but having a tie to prey yeah and kind of if that is kind of the the game that they're going to play which is we're going to treat predator this predator movies at this point almost like an anthology mm. franchise so yeah. we can pop around and we're going to keep moving forward to different points in history and different parts of the globe but we're always going to have that thin thread that kind of connects these stories. That's cool. Yeah. And 
this is how you reinvigorate a franchise. Yeah. This is the, what they're doing over here on Predator. Yeah. Is what Universal needs to be looking at with Jurassic Park. Not that they it need points. to all of a sudden go back and go, hey, it's a raptor in <laughs> Native American times. Like, that makes no sense. But th this is a very different uh, flavor yeah. for the Predator movies. Whereas, like, what they were kept doing before was, like, how do we sort of re relive the magic of what the original was? And let's kind of re do that over and over. This is a very yeah. different thing, but it works. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, this is, yeah, and like you know, as I said, occasionally sources come to me and they it may have stuff, and if it's if it seems right to me, I will talk about it on one of my shows. And when I saw heard this, or when I was sent this, I immediately was like, "This sounds genius, like genius." To set it at that time, because what? Why was Predator set? The oh, sorry, what was Prey set at the time that it was set? Because the Predator, in a way, symbolizing the colonialism. Who is the real? um monster here who are the real creatures trying to kill trying to destroy trying to take right now we go to the nazis you can in essence make that comparison to the colonial what was happening in the colonial times trying to take over native american land here are the nazis trying to take over the world right so there's comparisons that you can make with having the predator there as well and having all the having that kind of weave in and out of the whole situation and there's always that kind of weird thing around nazis right the um the Indiana Jones movies takes advantage of that with the mysticism and the religious stuff and the demonic stuff. So it wouldn't be out of the realm possibility to have some kind of alien creature come down in the middle of all this madness uh, and be a part of this. And then it just gets lost to history. Um, and also the idea of um, uh, UFO and aliens, this is becoming massive now in our culture. People are covering it, talking about it. There's hearings in Congress. So even more so, it seems like a topical decision to put it at this time and still keep it with the Native American vibe that they presented in Prey, but weave it into actual real world stuff that is going on in our world now and was going on back in World War II. So I love this idea and it's an exciting idea if, if it does yeah. come to pass, you know. So yeah. I'm really, you know, I, I'll also yeah. say just, I know before we hop in the break, like sure, sure. given what they've done with Prey, and that Prey is going to get a sequel. And, and if this is the direction, we don't know mm -hmm. if it is or not. Mm -hmm. But if it is, it sounds cool. It really makes sure. me excited for uh, what they're going to do with the Alien franchise as well. Oh, yeah. Um, I forget. I think the name was just released. Or I just read what the name of the new Alien was like Romulus. It's, it's a weird yeah, name. Yeah, Romulus, yes. A Alien Romulus, which doesn't make me overly excited. But <laughs> uh, but just given given the freshness they brought to the Predator franchise... And given yeah. my extreme dislike for Prometheus and uh, Covenant, Ooh, yeah. um, I would be really, really thrilled to see the Alien franchise get a similar shot in the arm. Yeah, this seems to be the path that a lot of these franchises may need to be walking here in the future, Mike. You know, I Iger, which we're going to get to a little bit later in the show, he said very clearly they're going to pull back the budgets. They're going to space this stuff out. Uh, and clearly these budgets hit some kind of wall, especially after $370 million for the latest Fast and the Furious movie, which is a ridiculous budget, um, that they've hit some kind of wall here. And now it's time to yank it back. And Prey did such a great job that it showed these studios maybe that there is a path to walk here that we can spend a little amount of money and still get a very big reaction from fans of the franchise now it'll be curious to see if this one comes out in theaters michael because remember this one only 
came out on Hulu. So a lot of people said that they should have released in theaters. Do you think they'll go that route um, because of the reaction to the first movie? It's hard to say because I believe that if Prey had come out in theaters, it would have done really well. Yeah. But also, Prey did really well for Hulu. Yes, right. So, 100%. you know, like, it, and again, per our Geek Bite this week, where we kind of mm. talked about kind of the challenge, like, this is part of the problem with, not the, not the problem, it's part of the, where the entertainment industry is right now and what they're struggling with, which is, yeah. they really want us to be subscribing to their streamers. <laughs> but they also really want us yeah. to go to the movie theaters. Right. And figuring out that balance, I mean, you know, I was just reading an article uh, today because, you know, yeah. their Pixar and Disney have, are releasing the Pixar movies that yes. went straight to Disney Plus throughout the pandemic. So Soul, Luca, Turning Red for a limited time in theaters. Yeah. But I think it's because a little bit like I think they hurt the Pixar brand a little bit mm -hmm. um, with so many of them going straight to the streamer. So yeah. I think they kind of overshot that. So they're just trying to figure out that chemistry of what things can we get people excited about <laughs> here and there. And, and so does that mean that the Predator franchise becomes a streaming thing only? Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to uh, Predator, which is a franchise that I've loved since I was a kid, if that just, if they just kept putting those on Hulu and the quality stayed what Prey was, fine. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Like, fine. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. It'd be interesting to see if Amber Mid-Thunder shows up in some way, shape, or form. Apparently, they're taking meetings with actors now to decide who they want to cast and where they want to go with this uh, with this film. So if they're already taking meetings with actors, that means we've got ourselves somewhat of a finished script and we should be going into production sometime soon. So I'll be curious to see. Um, all right, well, let's take a quick break. And on the other side, we'll talk the Coyote versus Acme situation and we'll answer a few of your Streamlabs uh, before we jump into more topics here. Uh, send in your Streamlabs and Super Chats right now if you want us to answer them here live on the show. We'll give you credit, say your name, put your handle up there. Come on, it's all love. Uh, and uh, we'll be right back right after this hello geek buddies fans before we jump into today's episode let's give a warm thank you to our sponsor marquee tv their support is why we're able to bring this podcast to you marquee tv isn't just any streaming service they're your gateway to an incredible world of arts and culture that's right johnny i've explored marquee tv and i've been amazed by their vast library of performances exclusive interviews and behind the scenes content it is a treasure trove for any arts and culture lover right now i'm in the middle of watching the royal shakespeare company's production of the Tempest, and I've also got my eye on that Shakespeare masterclass taught by Dame Judi Dench. Yeah, Shannon, and speaking of the RSC, I watched Christopher Eccleston's performance of Macbeth last night, and I'm going to jump into Kit Harington's performance of Henry V from the Donmar Warehouse. Imagine having the world's most breathtaking ballets, dramatic theater productions, and magical operas at your fingertip. That's the experience Marquee TV offers, making the arts accessible wherever you are. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents that's right three months for only 99 cents with the code buddies b-u-d-d-i-e-s simply visit marquee.tv and use the promo code buddies to dive into the world of arts like never before bring the arts home with marquee tv get three months for just 99 cents visit marquee.tv to start your journey into the world of arts now use code buddies explore the extensive library of performances on marquee tv today and keep up with the latest in art streaming by following at marquee tv on social media 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, good stuff. And then an anvil falls on Roka's head. <laughs> Why is it my head? Why? Okay, fine, fine. Listen, which one of us is Bugs Bunny and which one of us is Daffy? Let's just be real. I am here. not Come Daffy. Oh. I'll take Yosemite Sam, but I won't take Daffy. For God's sake. <laughs> I'll take your Daffy Duck. All right, let's move on. All right, let's talk about this Coyote versus Acme situation, which is the title of our episode here. This broke today. Mike, and uh, brought to you by Drew Taylor over at The Wrap. Fantastic writer. If you guys aren't fine, following Drew Taylor, you need to be. I think it's at, at Finally Tailored uh, and follow his stuff that he writes for The Wrap. Great writer. Uh, and he was talking about the Coyote versus Acme situation. Uh, and apparently he mentions here that in J- early January, uh, Chris Stefaria, who is a producer on the film, got a call from Warner Brothers saying uh, from one of the execs telling him that they just want to get this Coyote versus Acme situation behind them and they want to close the books. Remember that Warner Brothers, uh, it, it was a, it was leaked or it was announced that they were essentially going to take a tax write-off, which was the second time they'd done this because of the Batgirl situation. But the reaction and the fact that there had been screenings ahead of time, there was pressure on them to take meetings and what have you. So they they walked it back. Uh, and they had uh, Netflix, Amazon, and Paramount screen the movie. Apparently, according to Drew, they submitted, quote, handsome offers. Paramount even proposed um, a theatrical release component to this, which is what people were complaining about, like put it out on the, on in theaters that would allow Warner Brothers to save face and let the audience see the movie. Warner Brothers, though, uh, stood to make 35 to $40 million dollars on the tax write down. So they wanted somewhere in the vicinity of 75 to $80 million from any buyer that was going to take on the film. And they wouldn't allow the interested studios to counter Warner brothers offer. It was essentially take it or leave it. And here's the most insane part of this. Apparently none of the main executives involved in this saw the finished movie. David Zaslav has still not seen the finished movie. Um, Abdi and DeLuca, uh, Michael DeLuca and Pam Abdi, who are uh, from the WB Motion Pitch Group, they're the co-chair people, they saw a director's cut, and Bill Dimashke only saw uh, a cut here uh, from the final version of the movie, but not the finished version of the movie. So this is kind of crazy on this, Mike, because it seems like they rigged the game from the beginning, and now they're going to let this thing die because they're about to open their books for February 23rd and the end of the quarter. So um, your thoughts on all of this, Mike, as a, as a, as a person who loves animation, B as a person who loves Looney Tunes, 
But C, as an animation executive yourself and executive producer on numerous projects, when you read a story like this, what what occurs to you in this moment? That it just sucks. Yeah. Like, I yeah. mean, it's it's so hard to get something made. Mm. I mean, I talk mm. to my friends all the time. I have friends right yeah. now who are at all different levels of development. They're writing, yeah. they're writing pilots. They're hoping the pilot gets picked up to series so they can get a writer's room and write the and write all the scripts. And then if they write all the scripts, they hope that it goes into production. Yeah. And once it goes, but once once a show gets greenlit and goes into production, that used to mean, hey, yeah. your show's gonna be on the air. Maybe right. you're, you're not getting a season two. Maybe. Right. Maybe people aren't going to watch it. Maybe it's going to die in the ratings and it's going to be a disaster, but it's going to be out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's going to live or die on mostly its own merits. Mm. Um, and now that you're like, hey, they loved your pilot. They picked you up to, you got to write your scripts. You went to series. You shot the stuff. You did the thing. Or in, the, in this case, you know, that you shot the movie. Yeah. You got it done. We finished the movie. We had yeah. a rap party. We all got really drunk and made bad decisions at the rap party because we were <laughs> so happy that we finished. No, nah, we're not doing anything with it. We're going to delete it. Yeah. It never delete existed. it is what the, the article says, that they made us quietly delete it so that it's not even remotely possible to be stolen or leaked or whatever. Yeah, and it just – and in the case of this one particularly, mm -hmm. like, again, the sources that you've heard I think have said this. Like, I've heard this mm -hmm. from people that it's actually good. Yeah. Like, look – the Batgirl thing was a fucking mess, and we're all yeah. upset about it. There's but a lot of moving pieces. Let's be honest. Given the last few DC movies we've seen, and some of what we were hearing about, uh, what bat, which Batman are we using? Oh no, it's fine, it's good. Like it right. just sounds like when I hear that that Batgirl movie was a mess. Although I am curious and would love to see it, hmm. I'm pretty sure it was probably bad. Like okay. maybe it wasn't. But I, I personally think probably that was not good. Okay. Everything that I've heard about this is that it's good. I've heard yeah. that it's a good movie, that it's funny, that it gets Looney Tunes in the way the last several things have not gotten Looney Tunes. Right. Like it just yeah. has the yeah. right energy, the right vibe. So the real question is, look, I think the Batgirl decision was dumb and we all should have seen it and we could have been arguing about whether we liked it or not. But mm. – um, if a studio watches something and they go, wow, this is so bad, we don't want to release it. We don't yeah. want people to see it. We really fucked up. At the very least, you're like, okay, I, I wish you did so we could see it. You, they already made the movie. Might as well put it out there, but I get it. Right. This one is just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why? Like, what is it about? Um, to your point, if Zaslav hasn't seen it and a bunch of executives saw versions of it, saw the director's cut, so whatever, but... Yeah. Other studios having screened it, the rumors coming out are like, it's actually pretty good. The fact that all of these other studios wanted it, mm. sure, they weren't going to pay what Warner Brothers wanted, but they were right. like, yeah, we'll take it. Like, so if it's good, what what are we even doing? Yeah, and, and that's what's so uh, perplexing to me because I saw people in this, and I should say this just in all honesty, I saw my brother on the hot mic tweeting about this saying, it's good business. This is business. He's doing business. And I get that. Look, I'm one of the first people that says to you, it's show business, not show stroke your hand and make you feel good, not show let's support the creatives. It is show business. These studios are really in the business for the most part of making money, right? There are the art, 
artistic films they want to get awards for to give themselves credibility, attract filmmakers to the studio, of course. But overall, they want to make money. Even with the artistic films, they'd like it if they made money, but they know there are other goals with those. Here comes a, a Looney Tunes film at a time when, you know, there's not a lot of product in theaters for families to go see. And it's getting all these great reviews. And they still, Warner Brothers still won't tell them why they're trying to destroy the movie and get rid of it. They will not reveal it. They just say it's a shift in global strategy, which could mean any millions of numbers of things. So that's what's so fascinating about this. And as you said, Michael, the test scores have been so positive that there must be something personal going on here. It, it feels personal. If you were going to kill it, then changed your mind because everybody called you an asshole for doing it, but then you rigged the game so that no one could know what was going on. In fact, uh, I didn't say this and I should mention that Drew said this. Warner Brothers refused to share specific details with the filmmakers about the proposed deals and Warner Brothers' rejection of the deals. And it was all captured through a hazy fog of secondhand phone calls and conversations. So they purposely kept them in the dark and kind of move, like a shell game with them, keeping them guessing the whole time because they probably were afraid these filmmakers would leak the offers, leak what was happening, embarrass the studio even more. And I think after the Zack Snyder situation, that's the last thing they wanted. So to me, I don't understand how you don't put this out. Take a little bit of loss. I mean, you just took the loss on Flash and Shazam 2 and, and uh, you know, not maybe Aquaman 2, but maybe you will take a loss eventually. But yeah, in this situation, why not see what could happen? This feels personal. Am I misreading well, that? I don't know that it, I, I don't know that it's, per, I mean, okay. I don't know that it's personal, but I don't know what the reason is. So like, you, yeah. you, your, your guess is as good as mine. So maybe, maybe you're right. Who knows? I think yeah. we're not, not to disagree with the hot mic, but <laughs> um, Jeff on that mic. part of good, yes, not to disagree with Jeff. Um, <laughs> part of the show, the business of show business mm. is the relationships. Yes. Hundred percent, and also yeah. part of the reason that the entertainment industry has a level of mystique is it's not all you. It doesn't always always make sense on a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. Like right, right, half right. of the movies that come out that become the most beloved movies ever probably didn't make sense to make in the first place. Mm. You know, like it, this is not a business where you can just look at, and so the whole concept of let's bring in talent, yeah, pay them money, let them make their creative vision, look at it at the end and go, you know what? The tax write-off's better. Let's put it, like, that yeah. is not good business. Like, even if yeah. this specific instance makes financial sense that they thought, because, and here's the real key is, they think they're not going to make their money. Right, right. They think right. they're going to make more money in the tax write-off than they would yeah. by putting it in theaters or the streaming benefits because they don't think it's going to really make a dent in the number of subscribers that they have on Max or whatever yeah. reason they have, yeah. they think. They don't know. Right. Because in entertainment, you never actually know. Right. So, right. no. Like, even if this specific thing makes yo the the tax write-off is this much versus this much and the studio the other studios were going to pay this much and they were still going to lose so if you just look at the dollars and cents of it it makes sense that doesn't mean it's good business right 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 and i want to bring up this comment because uh i think this is important to discuss here geeky lawrence says uh wasn't cody versus acme greenlit by jason kalar when he was still heading wb maybe zaslov just doesn't want his leftovers now 
I get what you're saying. If you're, let's say you're at a McDonald's, you don't want to eat someone else's food. That's fine. But you can't sit here as the head of a studio and say it's better business to take a tax write-off on a film that might be good simply because somebody, the previous regime made it. That's not good business. That's reductive business. That's that's a mom and pop type of approach. And it is not conducive to good business overall. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm sure it happens. I'm just saying if you're going to claim your good business but do personal petty bullshit like this, you're sending mixed messages about how you approach business. It's, it's one thing when you come in and take over from somebody else and you wipe your development development slate clean. Right, that hasn't been finished. Like that, right. that, yeah. that does happen, yes. and a lot of times it is personal, and a lot of times yeah. it is a little petty. Like there, it is, it is one thing to come in and go, hey, I'm the new boss, let's see what the previous people were developing. Ooh, that's all garbage, that's why they're gone. Yeah. Let's get rid of this, here's what I wanna develop. That happens. Right, of course. But it's the entire concept of it's a finished movie. Mm-hmm. That's that. That's where people are really in the creative community. Are like, well, fuck you. Yeah, like, I think that's that's what makes it quizzical, Mike. And, and finish your points on this. Like, Paul Thomas Anderson and Ryan Coogler just signed deals with Warner Brothers for Coogler's vampire film. That he's doing the Michael B. Jordan and um, Paul Thomas Anderson's film that he's working on. I can't remember the novel that it's based on. Vineland, I think it is. Uh, and yet. You know, this stuff is blowing up now again, but they signed their deals after the Coyote versus Acme. Initially, the the controversy blew up. So it makes you wonder, like, are they really disattracting people? Or is this giving some of these directors leverage to say, you're going to release this movie and put it in the contract? I mean, it probably does get to the point with certain directors where you maybe want to, like... Again, you have to be mm. a certain level of director to demand that and not have Warner Brothers be like, screw you. But <laughs> yeah, like, I like, look, I've seen people on Twitter being like, nobody's going to go to Warner Brothers. People are going to yeah, walk right. away. Like, there's only so many big studios yeah. that you can go make your big giant. Unfortunately, giant true. And so, so many slots. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, so like, Warner Brothers can be shitting the bed over here. But if they're like, we're going to make your giant movie. And we're really excited about this. You're going to do it. Yeah. Like yeah. it, it just like, there's only so many places and people need to work. So yeah. it, you know, it, it sucks, but that's where the studios can kind of do this stuff. And it's not going to, you know, there, there's no like, okay, we all decided that none of us are going to go to Warner brothers yeah. and none of us are going to do a DC movie and none of us want to do a, harry potter thing and none of us want to do a looney tunes thing and none of us are you know it's like yeah it doesn't it doesn't really work that way the question becomes too like this is now a pattern like once okay twice is a pattern and will there be other films down the road that they kind of toss in the trash can or delete as they it seems to be a um uh, threatened to be happening for this movie that would that just is I don't know, man. It just sets a bad precedent uh, overall. That if they keep, if they do some, do this again, how can you defend it after this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Seems odd. All right. Uh, well, let's answer some of your stream labs that are in super chats that have come through, and we'll get into some more topics here. We got a lot of time to go, a lot of topics rather to go. Uh, uh, Cowboys fan ninety two says, "Hi, buddies. What are your predictions for the Madame Webb's opening box office? 
Seeing as most of us don't care about this film, happy Friday. P.S. Hi, Vogel. It's Amon, the buddy who lost his mom last month. Oh, yeah. Hey, Amon. I hope you're doing okay. Definitely our thoughts and prayers are still with you. Absolutely. Um, my thoughts and prayers are not with Madam Webb, however. <laughs> um, They're going to need them. They're going to need them. I, I think it's going to prove <laughs> it's going to be a pretty bad opening weekend. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's not going to be pretty. I mean, like, if. If the big superhero movies that we still give a shit about mm. are not having big opening weekends, good point. I don't see how good Madam point. Web is going to do much of anything. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I'm gonna be curious. Uh, they're predicting 25. I could see one of two things either A, it's like the kitsch factor gets it to 30 or 40. Or the reviews are so terrible and nobody gives a shit, it goes like to 15 or 20. I could absolutely see that. I think everything is in play with this movie because I don't know what the appeal is. How big is the Sydney Sweeney? I mean, her her romantic comedy crossed a hundred million dollars, yeah. the one with Glenn Powell, and nobody yeah. goes to see romantic comedies anymore. So because it looked funny. Yeah, fair. <laughs> well, fair, true. And I don't think Dakota Johnson's doing herself any favors on these press tours and the comments and the Things that she's saying, it's just like, well, what is happening here, man? So, yeah. I mean, that that viral clip going around with that dude asking her about mm. the line from the trailer, and the dude, the dude asking her, didn't seem to know why we all made fun of the line. Right. So he couldn't explain to her why we made fun of the line. Yeah. And then she was like, "Well, I don't know why people are making fun of the line," and we're all like, "Stupid fucking line!" It's like, stupid God, line. yeah, it it was killing me. It was killing me this week. It's full of exposition. That's why it's a stupid line. So. Uh, anyway, all right. Uh, Francisco says, uh, hi, hey, Geek Buddies. I know we're going to get a whole new cast for MCU's X-Men, but what cast member or characters from the Fox's X-Men do you want the MCU to continue to use? Uh, mine are McAvoy and Fassbender as Xavier and Magneto. Uh, oh, and besides Deadpool, what trailers and ads are you expecting to see at the Super Bowl? Oh, what is your Super Bowl pick? So let's, uh, let's see, Francisco, let's deal with this one. Um, what characters or what cast members do you want to see come back here, uh, Michael, in, in this new X-Men iteration at the MCU? What characters do I want? I think... I, I It'll be interesting to see what they do. Like, a part mm. of me is like, guys, let's just go classic. Give me the classic five X-Men. But if you do the classic five X-Men, you don't have Storm, you don't have Wolverine, That's you true. don't have a lot of diversity. And so then my next choice would be, uh, I kind of want them to just take the 90s X-Men cartoon cast. Oh. Which was kind of the best. Like, like the mm -hmm. 90s X-Men is Cyclops, Jean Grey. Yes. Is Iceman in there? Iceman I think Iceman's in there, yeah. Uh, Jubilee, mm. um, Rogue, Gambit, Wolverine, Storm. Like, it's kind of the this is and beast like yeah. it's kind of like that's that's the x-men for a lot of people yeah and i think yeah. kind of starting with them um but i do think i i i think i read that you know feige approached mcavoy maybe a, a, approached fastbender i don't know that he approached them about being the professor right, x and right. magneto for the universe as much as a we're in the world of the multiverse who see you know we're going to have Patrick Stewart show up and kill him in two seconds. Like, so like they, you don't really know what they're planning, but I do think that we need like a whole fresh young cast mm -hmm. for all of them. So as much as I like a lot of the people that have played 
our favorite mutants over the years and have my favorites and my le- and my less favorites, I kind of think with the possible exception of Hugh Jackman, because who knows how, he, what, how long he's going to go. Uh, I, and with the, with the character of Wolverine, you could almost be like, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll give him that one. But like, aside from him, I think we need all new people. I agree with you. Wipe and, the slate probably, clean. and probably Wolverine too. Yeah. Wipe the slate clean. Complete. I, for me, it's wipe it all completely. Bring nobody back. Start all over from scratch. Build your own mythology that's not relying on the mythology that has come before or what the characters and actors did before. Build your own mythology so you can live and die by what you're building from scratch within the MCU. That just I am really into this whole like social yeah. media push mm. to make Daniel Radcliffe Wolverine. Yeah, it's interesting. Like Daniel. it's wild because he's harry potter but you look at how little he is yeah. and you're like you put some muscle on that boy give him some claws and you're like you know what it's possible akio wolverine let's go baby like, <laughs> i'm in uh, uh and uh what trailers and ads do you expect to see at the super bowl um and which super bowl pick mike it's the 49ers versus the chiefs what you got who it's the 49ers versus the chiefs yeah okay. i'm gonna vote for I don't know. I'm gonna I, honestly. I usually I'm gonna do what I usually do. I'm like I'm gonna which which colors do I like better? Let's root for them. <laughs> I have no opinion on who's gonna okay. win that game. Fair I am literally going to my friend's house for the food, the Deadpool trailer, and to see if Taylor Swift shows up at the Super Bowl in time to be there for her man. Like that's oh, sure, all sure. I got. I. I what other what are the other big trailer spots that we think we're gonna get? Well, quite like, day Deadpool, one. But, yeah, released a, a a Super Bowl spot today. That would think it was 30 seconds, but I don't know specifically what they ha- I don't know if they've announced uh what trailers we might be getting. Uh, let me see here. Let me tell you, what's it? Super Bowl 58? Is that right? I think it's Super Bowl 58. <laughs> Who are you asking? I know. <laughs> I thought maybe you heard it in a in a TikTok video or something. <laughs> um, let's see here. They are apparently quite place that Bob Marley if might have a, a trailer so far. Okay. Um, but I don't know if they've announced anything else at this point um, that might be a part of this. Yes, Deadpool 3 certainly is a possibility. Uh, let's see, Ghostbusters could get another one. Godzilla and Kong, um, The New Empire, an Inside Out 2, maybe a Bad oh, Boys 4. Oh, Planet the of the Apes. What about Planet Wicked? Of the Apes, Oh, Planet of the Apes and Wicked, yeah. I would be excited about. Like, okay. if I saw, like, a, like another Ghostbusters yeah. trailer I don't need, I'm fucking yeah. down. You're in. If I would be excited to get another trailer, but, like, I think the first trailer did give us a lot, so I would be interested to see what else they're going to show us. Yes. But a new Planet of the Apes trailer, 100%. A Wicked trailer, fucking bring it. I'm ready. <laughs> Ladies every, and gentlemen. Every homosexual at every Super Bowl party who doesn't care about the Super Bowl would all scream at the same time and rise up to defy gravity and then would sit back down when the Super Bowl came back on. Well, let me tell you something, Michael. There are uh, people in the Geek Geek Buddies fandom who would also rise up and defy gravity for our third member of the Geek Buddies joining us uh, live uh, from (laughs) him. He's back. He's back from his honeymoon. Somebody's and back he's up the not mainland. bright red. <laughs> How are you, <Yeah>. brother? <laughs> Why? 
How's it going, man? What's going on? How are you doing? I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm so so sleepy. We we took a we took a red eye out last night. Um so we got in this morning around 9:30. So we just got back oh, wow. 2 hours ago. Uh right. my wife was passed out on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, "All right, let's hop on. Let's do this thing." How are you guys? How are all we the fans you. out there? Yeah, we missed you, man. We missed you. John Boy, doesn't he. say buddies the way that you do. I, I'm terrible at it. I'm, I'm so <laughs> I can't hit that that timber. I can't hit that timber the way you can, man. Yeah. I got yeah. a high voice. <laughs> but how, how 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 long how far is the trip? Like the plane ride? Is it eight hours? Twelve? Fifteen? What is it? It is eight hours going to and a little over seven wow. hours coming back. Okay. Um, but both flights we left around around midnight. Nice, nice. Um, but- I have a really important question for you. <laughs> if you were going to cast the three of us as Looney Tunes characters, you know what? Who are who 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 is who? I feel like I'm about to walk into a land. Oh, you here. think? Yeah. <laughs> we know who cast himself in the lead. I know that Vogel thinks he's Bugs Bunny. Yeah, he, thinks, he does think he's Bugs Bunny. Yeah. He you two have told me multiple times, whenever anything goes my way, you're yeah. like, oh, Bugs Bunny over here. <laughs> Bugs Bunny, even Steven. Um, yeah. Johnny, I mean, th- there are a couple. Thank you. Nope. I mean, one, one, one could be Daffy Duck. <laughs> I can absolutely see Johnny as Daffy Duck. All right, fine. I accept it. Fine. And depending depending on um, what John is doing, if John has had a, 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 a stout or two in him, I, yeah. I think he could go into a Foghorn Leghorn. Yes! I love Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> and how, and how would you cast yourself? That boy's not working with a full deck. Yeah. How would you cast yourself? Um, I, I think part of me is Marvin the Martian <laughs> in terms of maybe delivery. Um, and I, I think yes. you all, I mean, I think you all might kind of saddle me with, with, uh, Elmer Fudd, um, mm. again, just in terms of, I mean, maybe, uh, aesthetics mm. <laughs> that, that I talk like Marvin, the Martian, maybe look like Elmer Fudd a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. I could see that. You got a little baby Fenster vibe to you too, because that overdeveloped beard you've got there. <laughs> I really just, I really just wanted you to to give Daffy over here the what for. So thank you for that. <laughs> I wasn't sure which one was going to be more offensive. Listen, Daffy put this thing together, so you kiss my ass, goddammit. <laughs> oh yeah, this this is true. That there are elements of Pepe Le Pew in hey, Michael. Absolutely, I am a lover. What can I say? <laughs> and as someone who's been around French accents for the last ten days, <laughs> spot on, Vogel. You know what? Maybe you should go take a nap. <laughs> I'm seeing double right now. <laughs> Shannon, if you're on for the rest of the show, I just want to ask real quick before we take a break because we're at the hour mark. Um, we were talking about the Cody versus Acme situation. Not sure if you read up on it, but basically it looks like they're going to kill it again. That Warner Brothers essentially kind of stacked the deck against this. So, um, you know, didn't tell the other studios, didn't give them a chance to come back with counter bids, uh, just took an initial bid. And if it didn't match what Warner Brothers wanted, they basically didn't do any business with them and then didn't tell any of the creators and didn't update them on any of the progress of these bids 
or the details of these bids at all. And it looks like they're going to kill this thing and delete the film, not just kill it, maybe keep it, but delete it completely. So it never even has a chance of leaking. So what are your thoughts on this real so quick? This is, so we, you know, uh, uh, for, for, for all of our audience, like, you know, we, we text about these things, pro, uh, yeah, you know, true. beforehand. Um, and, and this is like, I had told the guys yesterday, I'm like, I have not read anything. Mm. <laughs> um, I've been off the grid, but as we were flying back, this is the one thing that I did look up and read. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it just seems like, it seems like someone just has it out for this movie. Right. I mean, in, in terms of the leadership not keeping them in the loop, yeah. that is not a surprise at all, especially if the intention is just to kill it. I mean, yeah. I imagine that everyone involved with Batgirl, they probably found out in the trades, like like most folks, is, yeah. oh, our movie is dead. Um, so the fact that they weren't really... Um, they weren't really keeping them up to, you know, up to speed on like, Hey, so here, here's what we're doing. And again, it's, it's really not something that they would keep them up to speed on because mm. that's a business decision. Everyone on the movie that they're on the creative side. Right. Um, but at the same time, the idea that the whole take it or leave it, yeah. um, yeah. like no counter offer. I mean, they must think that the money that they will save on a tax write off is going to supersede whatever someone would possibly give them. But when you have something that is at least behind the scenes getting these, you know, the, these good test, these good test scores. Yeah. The idea that there wouldn't be some sort of negotiation. Like if, like if, if you're going to say $40 million of the tax write off, Hey, let's try to get to 50. Yeah. Um, again, like Vogel would be able to speak to this stuff better than I ever could, but did, yeah, it I just did. seems, it just seems like a vendetta. almost. Yeah. That's what I said. It's it weird. Personal. Yeah. It does seem personal. So, uh, all right, we'll see, but, uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, so Shannon, uh, you're sticking around. So let's take a quick break. We'll got more stuff to talk about. Uh, and we'll be right back right after this. Aruba. Jamaica, Ooh, <laughs> I want to take you to Bermuda, Bahama, come on oh pretty God. mama, oh my Largo, God. Montego, baby, why don't we go to Jamaica, Thank God. up the Florida Keys. Thank God you took, you took the lead on that because I am in no position. <laughs> I, I, I Fair enough. Uh, fair enough. Let's jump into these trailers now that Shannon McClung is here. Shannon, you want to take the trailers or shall I? What, what's your oh, please, about? please take them. Okay, I will have. <laughs> I may not have seen them. Though. Give us a little. Uh, give us a little. Uh... Trailers, oh. trailers, trailers. There we Dang go. Yes. All right, let's kick off our trailer conversation with this one. Knuckles, Knuckles got a trailer this week, which was really fun to see here. This is a six-episode series that is coming to Paramount Plus on April. 26th it does star idris elba uh returning to voice uh knuckles in this one we've got the hound as the main villain in this particular series which i think is really fun and this one uh, uh is coming with adam pally of course from happy endings as wade whipple uh and then you've got stalker channing in this one that's right stalker still doing her still doing her thing christopher lloyd carrie elways as you saw in the trailer paul Shear there rory mccann uh, Rob Hubble, and uh, we did hear Ben Schwartz and Colin O'Shaughnessy quickly in the trailer there, coming back as Sonic and Tails as well. Um, and Fowler directed the Knuckles pilot with Ged Wright, Brandon Trost, Jorma Tacone, and Carol Banker doing the other episode. So, um, Shannon, since you are here, give us your overall, give us your thoughts on this uh, Knuckles trailer there. What'd you think? 
so I haven't seen it. Okay, um, well, but, thanks for coming in. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of what you just announced, because I didn't mm-hmm. even know this was a thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So the idea, like, we're at this point in streaming where, the, you know, the streamers are going to like, ah, eh, maybe this was not the best idea to double down on this platform. Yeah. Um, but the idea that they are um, still trying to churn stuff like this out, I yeah. think is a hopeful sign for streaming. The fact that they got Idris Elba, um, back. Yeah. yeah, who who is a huge star that you got him to come back for this. Like, like I love Ben Schwartz getting Ben Schwartz for a Sonic theme project. That's not a shock. Um, yeah. Idris Elba, that's a big name. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that they are still continuing to do stuff like this. I mean, I know you guys are big fans of, uh, you know, everything uh, Star Trek centric mm. on Paramount Plus. I really like a lot of the Taylor Sheridan stuff. So it looks like maybe Paramount Plus is still they're still all in on the streaming game. Yeah, what do you think, Mike, of this trailer? Uh, getting a little more of the story here, where Knuckles is essentially training uh, training Adam Pally to be a warrior against uh, the Hound here, uh, sending his own people to attack them. What do you think of this trailer? You know, I, just, I was looking at the picture of Knuckles as you put it up, and I, was, I tweeted about this. But man, remember, remember when we were going to get creepy Sonic? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true with the weird teeth. Yeah, and the reason I bring it up in everything we're talking about. The Jurassic Park shit, mm. the Acne versus uh, Wiley Coyote shit, is that this is this is the result of a studio doing the right thing. Mm. This right. is where we're at right now. They had a creepy pedophile Sonic. <laughs> oh my god! And 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 we all went, "What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> what what even is this?" And they didn't finish yeah. the movie, realize they made a mistake and delete it for tax write-offs. Oh, good they point. didn't say, screw right. you, this is the direction we're going. Right. They went, you know what? Maybe we should not make him look like he's on meth. And they fixed him. And yeah. then we got a delightful movie yes. that did really well. We got a second movie where they introduced more of the cool characters and it was really adorable and great. Yeah. And now we're getting this series that just based on the trailer looks like it still has the right balance of the 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 humor for kids. The characters are right if you are a big fan of the Sonic universe. Like they're just doing it right. Yeah. And when you do it right, you keep getting to make more cool stuff. Like that's where we're at. And so yeah. Sonic's doing it right, it seems, and giving Knuckles his own series seems like a lot of fun, and hopefully that'll tie back into what they're doing, like, going forward in the features, and it's like they're building a Sonic franchise in a really smart way. Yeah, yeah, and I wasn't sure when they cast Idris Elba to the voice of Knuckles if it would 100% work, and it worked in that sequel, and then it, just watching this trailer, all I can envision is Idris Elba having a great time in that voiceover booth doing all the uh, the uh, lines that he's doing and messing with everybody's messing with in in the series. So yeah, it looks great. It looks like a lot of fun. I like that they've picked someone who's not like James Marsden in Adam Pally who's funny as hell and can play off Knuckles being this overt alpha type character yeah. uh and have him go on a journey here, you know, by the I- we've seen the trailer coming out of that car in a tuxedo looking cool so yeah i mean i, I, look, love I just recently went back because i was like watching a bunch of uh of sitcoms for a script mm. that i was working on and i went back and rewatched 
about half of happy endings. <laughs> oh yeah. And man, that show is funny. Yeah. Yeah. The lady outlaw loves happy endings. It's on all the time in this house. Uh, let's move on to another one that uh, Michael is a big fan of here. And that is uh, Moana two. Uh, they released a 17 second teaser trailer of Moana two here and teased that this is coming. Um, and there were articles that came out that said that it was originally going to be a television series but they shape-shifted it into a movie, into a feature film, which is set to debut in theaters on November 27th. Uh, it joins the studios, uh, Disney Studios' upcoming Alien spinoff Romulus and uh, um, 2022's horror film Barbarian, as well as Paramount's Mean Girls movie musical and psychological thriller Smile as projects that were commissioned for streaming but ultimately scored um, theatrical uh, releases here for this. So... It was only 17 seconds. Not much was teased. There were stories coming out that The Rock is possibly in talks to come back. Is he not already on board? It's a little weird. So what did you think of the 17 seconds, Mike? Are you excited um, to see this back? And um, hopefully RLA will be a blast to doing it all over again as the voice. So when the teaser came out, super excited. Yes. Still super excited. Oh, okay. A couple things. All right. One the this was a tv series for disney plus and we made it a movie Mm. that's makes me a little like it's like okay well a a tv series is call it you know what is it eight Mm -hmm. episodes six episodes ten episodes whatever it was a movie is more compact time-wise and it's just two very different things so I'm, i'm wondering at what point they made that decision yeah because if it was early on and we're like, here's the story. Oh, this is a really good story. We should make it a movie. But if yeah. they're already like in production and scripts are written and then they're like, oh, let's condense. Like it, it makes me nervous. Now that yeah. being said, I mean, this does have shades of Toy Story 2, which was supposed to be a mm. direct to DVD movie. Right, right. And then right. they were like, nope, this is really good. Add more stuff to it, put it in theaters. And yeah. Toy Story 2 is an amazing sequel. So I'm hoping we get a Toy Story 2 situation, but the fact that it's a TV series that was like, okay, let's make it like, that's a little bit of a, of a, makes me nervous. The other thing that makes me nervous is, uh, Nolan Manuel Miranda. Yes. Yes. Um, John Musker and Ron Clements are not directing this one either. It is Dave Derrick Jr. Who's doing the animation for this. Um, uh, and uh, Abigail Barlow and Emily Bear, who did the unofficial Bridgerton musical, are writing the new songs uh, for, with uh, Opatea Foy, I hope I'm saying that right, and Mark Mancina, who worked on the first film. And to throw a little thing in there, according to the Variety, it is right now scheduled to release on the same day as Wicked, which makes no sense to me. Zero. I mean, eh, you know. Theater kids get a theater, man. Like, yeah, there's enough room for both. <laughs> I mean, if our Twitter Twitter hasn't quite decided what to call it. We've yeah. got we've got Moakid, we've got Oof. Wicana, we've got we got we got a bunch of different ones going out there. No one uh-huh. can quite land that plane yet. But um, yeah, it literally is like we'll see. But yo, so all in all, I'm excited. Okay. Like, okay. I love Moana. The fact that we're going to get another story, not much, as John said, it's like 17 seconds. So you can't see a lot yeah. from the teaser, but it does look like Moana from a distance. It looks like she's older. Yes. Seems like she's um, older. Yes. So 
I'm very excited. I want to hear more. Yeah. Just because uh, Musker and Clements aren't back doesn't mean that these new directors won't be great. Yeah. Just because Lin-Manuel Miranda isn't doing the songs doesn't mean these new songs won't be great. Yeah. But, you know, when you're when you're doing something like this, you want to have as much of the original creative team as possible coming back. And so when you don't, a little bit of cause for worry. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Shannon, it's described as uh, Moana receiving, quote, an unexpected call from her wayfinding ancestors and must journey to the far seas of Oceana and into dangerous long or Oceana and into dangerous long lost waters for an adventure unlike anything she's ever faced. So um, what do you think about this? And also the fact that the live action remake is going to come out six months later on June 27th or seven months later on June 27th. So is it too much Moana in a condensed amount of time? Like, well, what are your thoughts on all of this and the 17 second trailer? Do we need Mo Moana is oh. what you're asking. Um, so yeah, the, the, the glory about a 17 second trailer is I could actually watch it real quick. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, look, I mean, I really like, I really like the first Moana. I think that's a great mm. movie. Um, and in terms of them doing a, a live action adaptation, that's pretty quick turnaround. The fact that you're going to have the rock play the same character. Um, the, the, the idea that Vogel already brought up that this started off as a, as a television project and then it sort of morphed into a film. Um, yeah, it's, it is unorthodox. Um, but as he already mentioned, Toy Story 2. I mean, Toy Story 2 was supposed to be direct to DVD and it ended up being a fantastic, fantastic film. Um, but I like the characters. I mean, I, I like Maui and I like Moana and to see like more adventures there, um, I, I think could be fun. Could it be a disaster? Absolutely. <laughs> could it seem like they are really cashing in on this? The fact that you're going to have a, an animated sequel plus a live ad, live action adaptation within, you know, the same, the, I don't know if it's the same calendar year or within, within six months, as you said, yeah. that's a lot. Um, so it's sort of a we'll wait and see, but I mean, the, the animation in that first movie was beautiful. So yeah, I agree. we'll see two, two yeah, things but- I will say one, uh, cause I saw some people saying this in the chat about, uh, not wanting to see streaming animation. I will say in Disney's defense that on the animation side, the stuff that they've done direct to streaming, even though it hasn't been maybe as much as we would want, yeah. like we got like the Zootopia shorts, we got those, that, those Baymax episodes that were about 10 minutes each. Um, not yeah. as long as I would like, but it does seem like their animation quality. It's all coming out of the animation studios and it all looks good. So I, I imagine that Moana, even had it been a series, was going to look pretty much like the feature. So I think the animation is going to be strong. But, <laughs> you know, John was like mentioning the description. What always makes me worried about a sequel is, you know, when the first movie comes out, they create all the characters in the situation to tell the story they want to tell. And it's always this character has a problem. The problem yeah. in Moana was we don't we don't go beyond the reef because it's dangerous and then right. Moana went beyond the reef and she fixed everything and now her tribe is back out on the water and doing everything their ancestors did and everyone is happy and everything's good so when you get to that sequel like when this when the story's like oh she goes to this other place and faces new adventures and you're like cool but what's the emotional story i mean like yeah. the reason that toy story 2 is so great as a sequel is that there's a good story there. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, Buzz and Woody are friends now. But Woody finds out that he's a collectible. And is it better to be beloved by everybody behind a piece of glass your entire life yeah, yeah. where you're going to last forever and be perfect or be loved by one boy who's going to knock you around and, like, you're going to get dirty and old? Like, that was a really compelling story. So I just hope that one of the reasons they decided to jump to feature is they had that compelling emotional story. Yeah, let's hope so. 
Let's hope so for sure. Uh, Rodney said, I just got here. Is this McClung PI? Does he have a Ferrari? Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> with, with, with the amount of money we spent. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, checking, checking, checking my bank account every other day. Like, <laughs> all right. Only do this once. Don't you work too, honey? Anyway. All right. Let's move on to the other trailer here and uh, we'll wrap up trailers with this one. Uh, a Quiet Place Day One debuted their trailer earlier this week, um, and then there was a Super Bowl spot that also uh, dropped uh, earlier today. Um, but uh, yes, this one seeing Lupita Nyong'o taking the lead with Joseph Quinn from Stranger Things, who may uh, be playing uh, Johnny Storm once they announce announce the cast. SAG after a calm down, stop announcing the cast before it's actually <laughs> official. Um, but yeah, this one, A Quiet Place Day One, third installment here in the Quiet Place franchise. But this is a prequel going back to, as it says, day one of when this all happened. The trailer full of these aliens landing, all set in New York City, it seems like, um, and all the things that they go through. And Jaman Hansu back to reprise his role from the second movie. So um, your thoughts on this one? Did you get to see this one, Shannon, or no? All right, let's go to Mikey. Mikey, your thoughts on this trailer? What did you think of this one, my friend? It's great. I mean, yeah. the, a quiet, a quiet place is is a interesting franchise because it very quietly snuck up on us and became a franchise. Yeah, right. Uh, you know yeah. that when a quiet when the quiet when a quiet place came out was that Krasinski's debut as a director. It was yes. Mm-hmm. Um, gr- like it was just this little movie that came out and it was such a novelty mm. to go see a movie that was virtually silent. Yeah. Like I remember yeah. we all went to see it and my brother was sitting next to me and he had a big tub of popcorn and he was having a hard time eating it because he was afraid to chew because the entire theater was so silent. Um, and then it was just a really compelling, cool movie. Like, like Krasinski yeah. did a great job and him and Emily Blunt, it, like it just was, it had all the part, the things that you were like, this is a fun movie, but yeah. it kind of felt like a one-off. So when A Quiet Place 2 came out, right yeah. at the tail end of the pandemic, when people were just starting to come back into theaters, right, right, it was like, well, okay, we'll see. Can they really? And and again, they kind of just kept going with the story. And you're like, yep, nope, still compelling. Yeah. And they expanded the universe a little bit. They kind of told us this next chapter. But while telling us this next chapter, we saw flashbacks to what looks like day one mm-hmm. um, for, for that family. Yeah. But, and I, and maybe part of it was having not been in theaters for so long, kind of just coming back to theaters, but it had that, this is more fun to see in a theater than it would be at home. Yeah. This is fun to be in a theater where everyone is very quiet and very tense and very scared. Yeah. And so now at this point, like they've earned my trust with two movies. So this trailer, I'm like, Oh, okay. We're not off in some small town. We're not off on a farm. This is like, in New York City, one yeah. of the loudest places in the world. This is when it all first happened. People don't know what's going on. We're going to have to see them figure out yeah. that they need to be quiet. And let's put one of the best actresses that we've got dead center in this movie and let her run with it. Like, yeah. So this was great. I mean, at this point, they're really building Quiet Place into this thing where, yeah. again, as we've been talking about throughout the entire show, like where Jurassic Park has kind of wasted their franchise mm. uh and sonic is doing a great job in expanding their franchise franchise and prey came and re- kind of revived the predator franchise quiet place is really building very quietly over here in the corner like we don't talk yeah. about it the way that we talk about marvel and dc and these other things but it's just chugging along and doing really well yeah yeah i agree and this one's coming out in june 
and uh, any thoughts on this at all, Shannon? Did you want to share or do we move on? No, absolutely. Okay. Because I mean, just looking at like the stills that I, mm. that I, you know, scrolled through, um, you know, the, the, the thing with a, a quiet place, especially in the second one, when we got to yeah. kind of see day one, what? <laughs> when we got you to see sound, day. You sound like a kid in high school who didn't do his homework, but got up to give his report anyway. I didn't read the assignment, but Abraham Lincoln had a great beard. So all, all quiet on that was a great all quiet beard? on the Western Front. We don't talk about the Eastern Front enough, in my opinion. You want to talk about quiet? I mean, this book is nice and all, but the Eastern Front. What about that? Western Front? What about the Eastern Back? Let's talk about the Eastern Back. Um, but the idea that they're yeah. they're you know seeing what the the aliens could do in a in a small town, like how much noise it creates to watch what they're going to be able to do in, you know, in New York city. Yeah. That is, that is a wild, wild concept. Yeah. And, uh, Lupita Nyong'o is one of those, one of those performers we don't, we don't see enough of. Mm -hmm. Uh, so knowing that she's kind of, kind of heading it. And even though I, I imagine Krasinski's like a, a producer on it, um, the fact that the franchise keeps going with him, not with him kind of taking a step back. I mean, that just yeah. sort of, that sort of uh, uh, speaks to the the power of this of this you know the little franchise that could, yeah. And all the people who come after Michael Bay, he's one of the producers. And Krasinski has been very clear that Bay has been involved since the beginning in making this happen. So you know, bash him all you want, but this is a nice little gem that you can add in the Michael Bay crown uh, uh, as far as horror goes on and is, is and, uh, doing kind of smaller versions of horror like he did with Platinum Dunes for a long time. So, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. Michael Boy, Bay. Mikey really wants to make a Michael Bay. <laughs> I don't think he can anymore. <laughs> Two words I, for you, Bowen Yang. I don't think he can I, anymore. So. I, uh, no, I actually... A, a couple of Michael Bay stories came to mind that I actually oh. am not going to tell oh. in public. Right. But, uh, but, but yeah, no, it's great. Good for him. Good for, Good for you. Good for you. Good, Good for, for you. you. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, this looked fantastic. I had to do a reaction when I saw it dropped. I literally jumped out of bed. I was like, I got to get in the shower and watch this one. And I love Lupita uh, leading this. You watched it in the shower? Uh, what? I'm sorry? You watched it in the shower? No, I'm saying I had to shower, you know, because I don't like to do Before Johnny's always pizza? plugged in. He's always Amen. plugged in. Come on, Before dog. you put on your pizza suit? Come on. <laughs> I love my pizza suit. Uh, see where I put the sausage. Anyway, I I just had a really good time watching this thing and had a lot of fun seeing it. So I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I want to see more of it. Maybe we'll get a Super Bowl trailer. I know we got a Super Bowl ad, but maybe the Super Bowl trailer will be a little bit longer, showing us uh, more of what's going on. And look, Lupita is um stumbling around the city, looking emaciated. Uh, and I've heard that she might have um a disease of some kind. I don't want to say what it is, but so that could be an interesting element to throw into this uh and what she's enduring and going through so uh and seeing the ash on people's faces you can't help but think of 9-11 and setting it in in manhattan certainly it's an interesting thing to look at so i wonder how much of that are they going to walk the line and this is from michael sarnowski who did pig which is one of my favorite films of the last 10 years Man. with nicholas cage so i'm looking forward to it yeah <laughs> let's do john wick but with a pig and nicholas cage <laughs> how dare you it's not even remotely the same thing. What is wrong with you, man? That man, that man loved his pig, and when that pig died, he got mad. Well, yeah, oh, yeah. spoiler. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, well, let's take a quick break. We'll get into our last few stories and also uh, answer some of these last few Streamlabs and Super Chats. If you haven't sent any Streamlabs and Super Chats to support the show, do it now. Any questions, thoughts, or comments, we'll read them uh, here in the back end of the show. We'll be right back right after this. All right, let's let's get into this one because we should talk about this one, and that is the big controversy here with Kevin Conroy and Suicide Squad game that came out here. The Suicide killed the Justice League. Now you'd think Batman dying is in the title of the fucking game, kill the Justice League. But apparently a lot of people were very upset and thought that this was the last time that Kevin Conroy was going to voice the character of Batman and that it would be playing some kind of maniacal villain and then get shot in the head um, in the film, uh, in the show, in the game, rather. I'm not going to say who does it. You can certainly find the footage online if you want to see the footage. But a lot of people were upset about this. So all these people came around and came out and said that it is not the last time he's voicing Batman. He's going to voice Batman in part three of Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is coming out at some point. Part one premiered just a few weeks ago on January 9th. So, Michael, this seems like a lot of a lot of nerd to do about nothing that people are just upset about. Like, grow up. He, you know, people record stuff. He was 66 years old. He doesn't record it and then die on Wednesday. Like, this was recorded a long time ago. Why are people so upset? What did you think of this controversy? Well, so I did a little reading. I haven't played the game yet because I can't okay. decide if I want to because okay. the world seems pretty split on whether this is worth playing or not. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I haven't quite played the game yet, but I did do a little bit of reading. And it seems okay. like part of the issue, look, you're 100% right on the Kevin Conroy part of it. Like, right. Kevin Conroy got hired. He he played Batman in the Arkham games. He played Batman here. He did his job. He voiced the character. He went home. Right. He did his thing. So it's not Rocksteady's fault that he, he died. That, that he died. Like yeah. he can't. That is what it is. Yeah. Now, what I have heard though, okay, is that where people are upset, and it's kind of just a shame that it's one of Kevin Conroy's final performances, right. is that because the suicide squad game is part of the arkham universe yes and we spent multiple games playing this version of batman mm -hmm. and this this like this was a batman that we stuck with who like was an awesome hero and did all these things that the way in which he is killed yeah and the i'll say ease with which it happens true and kind of the per the 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 characterization and the personality that they gave him yeah. seems like a betrayal of not only the bat the kevin conroy batman that we all know and love but also the batman that people had been playing for multiple games so mm -hmm. i think that the kevin conroy part is just it is what it is like he played right. he played it, it it like i said it's not their fault right. it does kind of feel like and this sort of gets to why i haven't brought the game yet it does feel like with all the delays and all of this and all of that, it just feels like in a lot of ways, both in gameplay, in the loot sharing aspect, yeah. in the in the storyline, that this kind of has gone off the rails in some ways. And some people mm. are loving it and say, it's a ton of fun. You got to do it. And some people are like, this doesn't feel like the thought was put into it. So mm. I think that the Kevin Conroy part is sort of the rotten cherry on the top of a shitty cupcake for people it's gotcha. like 
you know, if, if, if it had been a really cool final death for Batman and it had gone real, oh, that's awesome. It would have been like, okay, and Kevin Conroy got to do it. But it feels like, oh, he did this thing and they kind of didn't stick the landing with this character is, mm. is what it sounds like to me. Shannon, your thoughts on this and the reaction? Because we are going to get another Kevin Conroy performance here whenever they release part three of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. um, You know, I kind of equate this to like in terms of, you know, you went on a journey with this character and again, not really knowing how he is dispatched or or rather by who he by whom he is dispatched. Um, It kind of makes me think of like Alien 3 with uh, Hicks and Newt. Oh yeah, how, you know, all right. These yeah. people that you know you became uh, that you loved through through the second film, and then to find out that they're kind of killed off screen, um, it's sort of like God. And, and and granted, this is not a this is not an apples to apples comparison, but it's like that sucks uh, because the thing that birthed this game were those Arkham games, mm-hmm. and to see the hero that you went on this journey with, even though Kevin Conroy didn't do the voice for Arkham Origins, it's still that Batman. And to to see that he was, um, again, kind of so easily dispatched and the fact that Kevin Conroy did pass. I mean, now, had Kevin Conroy not passed, would this still have been would this have been as much of a to do as it is right now? Kind of who knows, Um, because I know people are talking about like, well, he his last performance is that crisis, that that crisis film, that animated film. Um, You know, the, the video games are much more popular than yeah. the animated films um you know and to see how the buzz on that game when it was first announced like i think it was probably at that d on the first dc fandom that we got yeah. to see the yeah. you know sort of extended trailer and how people were so excited and then there were the, just the little delays 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 and the yeah. rumors about the gameplay not being great and right. uh, again like the, the loot sharing being uh, folks haven't having an issue with that um, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of unfortunate. Like I do understand the, the, the disappointment that people might have, um, because your last time playing this version, I mean, you're probably not, you're probably not playing him, <laughs> um, but yeah. the, the last appearance of this character was so kind of unceremonious. Um, I, I do understand the, the disappointment around that. I do think the alien three example is a really good one though. Yeah. Like I think, I think that it's a good lesson. Again, we're talking about all these franchise things today, but yeah. Y- Look, the movie that Fincher wanted to make, and I think if you go back and watch Alien 3 now, in retrospect years later, and just knowing Finch, uh, David Fincher and like seeing like where he's gone, like there's a lot to love in that movie. It's actually a yeah. really cool movie. I do agree. But as a fan of that franchise, he absolutely did Newton Hicks dirty. Mm-hmm. And even if he wanted to be like, I don't want to deal with Hicks and Newt, I want to just get rid of them because this is the story I want to tell understanding the franchise he probably in retrospect should have handled that more eloquently Mm. as opposed to you literally die off screen in the opening credits of the movie right and i think we're sort of in a similar area here i don't think anybody to your point everyone was excited about this game yeah yeah. like everyone was like very stoked about where this game was going to go and i don't think anybody is upset that batman dies right right but i think that in retrospect they maybe could have done it in a cooler way. Yeah, fair point. I know the people who were involved in making the game came out with statements saying Kevin loved it, Kevin understood, Kevin approved it, Kevin was fine with it. So trying to push back because some of these articles came out bashing it, saying it's a horrible end 
to Kevin Conroy. How could they do this? Blah, blah, blah. As if they could break the future when they were recording it. Because remember, this game got delayed multiple times. and was for, It took forever to come out. So uh, it just seemed like a really I'm, a bunch of really off-base articles yeah. in my I'm opinion. curious in the chat, if anybody's playing yeah. it, let us know if you like it or not. I really yeah. am like torn. Uh, I, I, I texted a friend of ours who is a big fan of the DC universe and he <laughs> oh. is loving the game, but that's yeah. not surprising. <laughs> he, yeah, he, he loves Arkham Knights too. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I'm picking that one up tomorrow. Uh, the suicide squad one over here. Um, let's see. All right. So then let's move on to another story that we have in the title here. Let's move on to a little Bob Iger action, uh, from Marvel studios. He was, uh, doing a earnings call with the C with the, um, with the uh, people involved with Disney here and, uh, giving some updates. And this is according to the wrap. He shared a vision of where Disney's best chance of success lies. He said, quote, I'd say we're leaning a little bit more into sequels and franchise franchises i think given the environment and given what it takes to get people out of their homes to see a film leaning on franchises that are familiar is actually a smart thing in our zeal to greatly increase volume partially tied to this wanting to chase more global subs for our streaming platform some of our studios lost a little focus so the first step that we've taken is that we've reduced volumes we reduced output particularly in marvel and he mentioned a number of films here but did not mention thunderbolts or blade and i will reiterate my call that we're never gonna see that thunderbolts movie but gentlemen what are your thoughts on Iger? i mean we kind of had heard this through leaks that they're pulling back they're gonna space the stuff out but this is him officially saying it on an earnings call uh what are your thoughts when you hear this shannon i'll go to you first on this uh so yeah this was another thing i read um, uh, just because he didn't mention them doesn't mean they're not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, this is literally just, these are the two things that he, that he mentioned. Um, does that mean that Thunderbolts is going to be pushed to 2026 blades going to 2026? Are they off the, off the schedule permanently? No, no. He just, he said Captain America and he said fantastic four. Yeah. <laughs> That's those are the ones he mentioned. Um, that doesn't mean they're not going to be delayed. They certainly could be. Um, at this point, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a huge shock if Blade does go to you know twenty thirty one at this point. Um, <laughs> but in terms of like talking about like we want to focus on our stronger franchises, it, it's interesting yeah. because Marvel is the franchise. I mean, That's you can true. talk about the individual yeah. heroes when it's like okay, we want to focus on our stronger on our stronger ones. Like, all right, who are you talking about? I, yeah. I, I mean, are you talking about Spider Man? Because that's still mainly so. <laughs> Right. Um, are you talking about Black Panther? Are are we talking financially strong? I mean, because certainly Doctor Strange, even though like the the Multiverse of Madness had a kind of a mixed mixed view, it was still very financially successful. So it's it's curious because at all of the individual Marvel franchises were new at one point, and mm-hmm. you look at you know, like that's how you decide that's how things become a franchise is because one comes out and does really well. Yeah. Um, so the idea that they haven't continued Shang-Chi or if you're looking at yeah, the Disney they... Plus series that how some hit and some didn't. Yeah. Um, I think every single one of those characters that they tried to do a Disney Plus series out of there, there is value in every single one of those characters. And yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. things just don't things don't work out. I mean, like, I think there was probably a really good Moon Knight series. We just didn't see it or, yeah. or at least for me, at least. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's probably a smart move because I think you 
you do reduce your volume. You give yourself, you, you give your filmmakers, you give your creative teams more time yeah. to kind of figure out what is it we are actually working towards here. Let's, let's get back to what made, let's get back to what made the MCU work. Okay. Uh, Michael, your thoughts on these comments. Uh, you've been in these halls of power in these meetings. What do you think about what Iger is trying? Can you read between the lines of what Iger is saying? Well, a little bit of it is just spin. Okay. Because he's talking about, let's go back to franchises that we know and love. And he mentioned a brand new franchise that has failed twice at a different studio. <laughs> and the other one that he it's mentioned true. is true. starring a brand new Captain America. There's no Chris Evans. Yeah. Like, this is not... Like, like Captain America, Brave New World is a brave new world for Captain America. Like this is, mm -hmm. this, this thing's going to come out, um, with Anthony Mackie in the lead and a bunch of characters that are not the characters that people who are like, like it's, it's a different thing. Yeah. So it's a little bit of spin on the, the, the tried and true franchises because a lot, you know, Iron Man's dead. Yeah. Uh, Steve Rogers is dancing with Peggy back in 19, whenever, um, yeah. you know, so, and, 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 and Tom Holland is half owned by Sony. So, you know, it, it is a little bit of spin, but that being said, mm -hmm. I think that for where, what he said that was the smartest, that, that I think is the truest thing is given how hard it is to get people into theaters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause yeah. that is, that hope. is true. Yeah. And, and we can all, yeah. Oh, well, why are they just why like they we want something new and original and this and that, but like a lot of new and original stuff comes out and people aren't going to see it. Yeah. Very so, true. So, you know, his we're gonna do Zootopia 2. We're gonna do Frozen 3. We're gonna make Moana 2 a movie and we're putting it in the theaters. Like, yeah. great. Like that makes sense. We're gonna do less Star Wars and Marvel stuff. Mm. Although on the Star Wars front, I'm like, it doesn't seem like you're doing less. But, um, you know, he is trying to focus what they're yeah. doing. Because I think under Chapek and because of Disney Plus and because of a lot of reasons, like we just sort of got flooded. And part of that was the pandemic and things getting pushed to you. Like there was so many reasons that things happened the way they happened. But we yeah. had a couple of years where we were just getting too much stuff. Yeah. And I think they're trying to find that balance. And again, getting back to our geek bites from earlier this week, this is mm. where the whole streaming movie thing is a problem because yeah. you got to feed the streamer. You want people to go to the movies. You understand that you're maybe uh, exhausting your brands, but you still need Marvel TV shows and you want to make Marvel movies and you want Star Wars TV shows and you want Star Wars movies and you got to keep doing it but you don't want to do it too much. So just, yeah. it, it's a dance. And Chapek was not a good dance partner. And Iger is stepping in now. And, you know, there's all these articles that are coming out about how Iger is kind of in a tough spot because he was sort of the golden CEO. Yeah. And now he's come back in and he's sort of reliving a lot of what Eisner relived back in his final days. And you're like, uh, what? how are we going to feel about Iger at the end? Like, yeah. where where is the end of his story when it comes to Disney? Disney's like a dance partner. Disney had a dance partner in Iger that understood it and had a great time. But eventually they got tired and had to go home, right? So Chapik took over and wanted to dance at every song and kept stepping on your feet. But you you didn't want to be mean. And then eventually Chapik left. That guy was forced out by security. And then you thought, oh, here's Iger coming back. 
but he is still tired and wanted to go home. So he is back now and he only wants to dance every few songs. And he only wants to dance the songs he knows really well, even though they're remakes. Uh, and the in, in the end, I think he's setting this whole thing up to be sold. I think we're looking at the plan slowly but surely of them setting this up to be sold. They're spending less money. They're going to focus on known commodities and they're going to spread this stuff out. And so it looks much more attractive to be bought out by Apple down the road. And Peter Serretta, who I am uh, um, friends with, uh, who used to, uh, who started Slash Film and used to run it before he sold it, he tweeted out, these are not the films you greenlight if you're looking at a long-term plan. And it seems like Iger might not be there beyond the sale. And that's what it seems like in my mind. I'm still a little unclear on what's the... Look, Disney's yep. not Disney's not doing. Um, Marvel has their problems. Star Wars has their problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the studios are having trouble getting people sure. into theaters. Like 100%. it's a, it's a studio. It's a it's a industry wide thing. Yeah. Why are we so di- sure Disney wants to sell? Like of all the studios, because they have the theme parks, because mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. have the consumer products arm, because they have the cruise lines. Like, yeah, they're. They're, it, they kind of have the same thing that Amazon has, which is, yes, we have Amazon Prime. We're doing stuff. But also, every single one of you is buying your laundry detergent from us. Like, we're good. Like, we've yeah. got this whole other income stream. Like, why are we so sure Disney wants to sell? I think they're not. I think overall, over the last few years, you've seen that they're not doing as well financially as they had been in the past. And I think they're looking at cutting... I mean, the fact that you've got Iger coming back saying, I'm going to start slashing budgets um, tells you that they don't have the financial cash flow that they used to have. So they're a damaged studio right now who's not willing to spend all this money. As opposed to being a smart, frugal studio, it seems to radiate, we're going to be really careful about how we do this. Even though they just spent $75 million, I think, for Taylor Swift's era's tour thing to be screened i think on hulu or whatever yeah. uh they've got money for certain things but other things well, they want to start limiting the budgets and that again just let's take what me. you said and let's take what yeah. you said and sprinkle just a tad of slashing budgets mm-hmm. and pulling way back <laughs> yeah moana 2 zootopia 2 frozen 3 yeah. toy story 5 four star wars movies Captain America, Fantastic Four, probably a Thunderbolts, other unnamed Marvel things. Like, I don't think that we're like, oh shit, they're just making $20 million indie films. Like, they're still making movies. He's just mm-hmm. saying, like, they're not going to be flooding because we were a little bit flooded. I mean, I love seeing every yeah. big franchise movies, but when you have four Marvel movies and two Star Wars movies and three Star Wars series in a year, it becomes less special. So. <laughs> I think yeah. it's more strategic than oh shit we're really hurting for cash. I don't I don't think we can afford this movie. But look at the level of talent they're bringing onto these movies, Mike. These aren't high level A list talent. These are people you're getting for cheap. Let's be honest. These are not high level. I mean, Anthony Mackie's not going give me twenty million a movie. This that's not happening in this Thunderbolts. Maybe Florence Pugh is the only one that could demand a certain amount of money. Harbor ain't asking you for twenty million for fuck's sake. Like these, all these things are smaller level um, asks. I'm sure oh. Dwayne's getting his bank, getting his bag on Moana too. But 
everyone else is not really high level caliber in terms of demanding money. So they are saving money in that way by not going after these big names um, like Robert Downey Jr. and other people now. And that's like Harrison approach. Ford might uh, take offense to that if he's not. Harrison's too high. probably doing it for a ham sandwich. Come on, give me a break. Harrison's <laughs> just having fun, no, man. Not, so, but you can't he's have both ways. Like, we're not we're not going after big names, but we just cast Harrison Ford as Thunderbolt Ross. Anthony Mackie probably did do a pretty decent job since you of course can't he did. do Falcon without him. Of course like, he did. Yeah, and yeah. Marvel and, and Thunderbolts is like, sure, David Harbour might not be a ton of money, but mm-hmm. and none of the people in Thunderbolt might not be a ton of money, but yeah. add all of those characters up. Like, again, I don't think that we're, it well, doesn't seem like Disney Four. is doing bargain basement filmmaking. Right I'm, now, I'm not saying I'm bargain, saying. but look at Fantastic Four. You got, you got Vanessa, Pedro, Joseph Quinn, and uh, uh, Evan Moss, Bachrock. None of those people are going to break your bank, you know? And I'm sure with, uh, with yeah, X-Men, but, they're going to go low. But when Chris Evans, but when Chris, and Evans Chris was Hemsworth cast in America and Chris Hemsworth was cast as Thor, they weren't breaking the bank either. The well, only one they went after was Robert Downey Robert, Jr. To yeah, sort of yeah. And he off. was not expensive for that first movie. Uh, and, and, and yeah, until it started making money, then he was. Well, really that was expensive. the thing because, because of the deal that they negotiated for that first movie, that's how he was able to make them pay through the nose <laughs> on the second one. <laughs> I'm just saying, Harrison's 81. He's fine. Like, he's just having fun. You know what I'm saying? I don't think, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm sure they paid him uh, good, but I'm just saying it's like, you know, he's not demanding millions and millions and millions. I don't think, I don't think his quote is quite where people think it is. So, uh, just throwing it out there. Anyway, all right, let's, uh, let's hit some more. I guess we should talk about this uh, a little bit of a more serious note. Um, with uh, Kumail Nanjani, I, I don't know if uh, Mike or, or Shannon got a chance to watch this uh, um, uh, pod- or listen to this podcast episode of uh, Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. By the way, a fantastic podcast. And just a quick plug, Michael Rosenbaum, I think, is a guest on Katie Sackhoff's back podcast, blah, 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 that Christian Harloff produces. So um, you can go watch that podcast, I think, is up. But Michael has a great podcast here inside of you. A lot, a lot of awesome guests. Michael Bean was on a few months ago. That was a great interview, but he was talking to Kamel Najani about the Eternals uh, experience. And um, uh, Kamel re- re- revealed that he had to go to therapy to deal with the reviews, the negative reviews. He said the reviews were bad and I was too aware of it. I was reading every review, checking too much. It was really, really hard because Marvel thought that movie was going to be really, really well reviewed. So they lifted the embargo early, put it in some fancy movie festivals, and they sent us on a big global tour to promote the movie right as the embargo lifted. I think there was some weird soup in the atmosphere for why that movie got slammed so much. We can deal with that later. And I think not much of it has to do with the actual quality of the movie. It was really hard. And that was when I thought it was unfair to me and unfair to my wife, Emily. And I can't approach my work this way anymore. Some shit has to change. So I started counseling. I still talk to my therapist about that. Emily says that I have some trauma from it. We actually just got dinner with somebody else from the movie, and we were like, that was tough, wasn't it? And he's like, yeah, that was really tough. And I think we all went through something similar. So, Michael, I go to you first on this one. What are your thoughts when you hear this? Um, And we know how toxic fandom can be. We know how vitriolic it can be, the back and forth, all of that stuff. Um, But also, Kumail reading the negative reviews, um leading down to this path and, and and leading to therapy and him being open about it what are your thoughts on all of this i just feel really bad that he was listening to geek buddies and heard shannon's review of his performance <laughs> how dare you how dare you um no it sucks i mean yeah. look, and we all have 
those performers or those directors or those writers that we are not huge fans of. Um, sure. And and look, that's why I look. There's it's no secret some of the people that I'm not the biggest fans of, but you know I I try not to be too vitriolic in my hatred of them for the most part. Um, yeah. But it sucks because this is where social media is challenging. Before, back in the olden days, before you had Twitter and before you had Instagram and before you had all the things that we have, like an actor or a director, like kind of trying to see what people thought of their movies, like they would read the reviews. The yeah, yeah, sure. sure, sure, sure. And there would be box office, mm -hmm. but you couldn't just open up your phone and be direct messaged by people telling you how much you suck. Yeah. True. And, Oof. you know, it gets a little wild sometimes. And Eternals does get, did get really, uh, people really, the people that did not like Eternals really did not like Eternals. Yeah. And yeah. as, as Shannon is proof of, some people didn't like his performance, Kumal's performance. But I think by and large, a lot of people, the, the issues they had with it were bigger what's going on with the MCU? Why do I even care about this? Who are these people? What's going on? And I think it yeah. did get caught up in that too. And it sucks for the people making those movies. And Shannon says this all the time because nobody sets out to make a bad movie. Right. Like they all, and, and I think all of them coming in to make this movie, they came in when, oh, Marvel, yeah. like when they all signed on to this movie, Marvel was the hottest ticket around. Right, right, and right. this was this whole new chapter. And they were playing these epic alien characters that were going to be like, like you would have been so excited about this. And then to get the response that you got, like, I get why it would fuck somebody up, is which which is a shame. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Shannon, what are your thoughts on it? I'll, I'll, I'll opine after you, but what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> now I feel a little guilty. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh man, Rodney's killing it in the chat. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I kind of look at it from two from two angles, and both yeah. both of them are from the actor's point of view. Mm. Um, on one side, uh, there's the jealous actor that would love to be in this type of movie. That's just kind of like, man, it. I absolutely understand the point of view of you put your heart and soul into this. Oh, I hadn't thought of this. Oh, and, okay. And, you know, and again, you thought, I imagine there was talk about like you, this is what you all are. This is what you all are going to be doing going forward. You all are really important. You, you're, you're a building block to this next phase and to have it come out and, not be, you know, you, you have an Academy Award nominated director and her next right. film is this that that does not get the best reception. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I do understand how that can be really, really like, man, this is this is a tough pill to swallow. That being said, um, there's also the business side. It's just kind of mm -hmm. like, look, man, this happens. Yeah, this yeah. like I, and again, I would have to go back and read the Eternals reviews to find out how personal and how vitriolic they got. I, I don't remember right now. I don't feel like Kumail was um, singled out as being yeah. terrible. I feel like people, he was one of the bright spots. Mm. I just, as a, as a, as an actor, I'm kind of like, I don't like him in this type of role. I don't think he's a good dramatic actor with the exception of the big sick. I mean, I haven't seen that yet. Um, oh, it's so, so good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's he's fantastic. Oh, no, I mean, he's he's the big sick. He hasn't seen him do anything like that since. Gotcha, then. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So, so I do understand, but but part of me is also like, 
man, if you all weren't able to, you and your reps weren't able to um, leverage this into your career going forward, that's a that's that's on you because this movie, you know, you get cast in a big Marvel movie, you know, it, it's going to be about nine months to a year once you're done that you have you have this cachet of yeah. hey, this is what this is what I have on on the horizon. You need to put me in something else right now. Yeah, like if that didn't happen, that's kind of like ah, that's that's kind of on your rep's fault. Yeah. Um. So it's like part of me is just like, you know, boo-hoo. Like you were you were in a huge movie. You were in a huge movie that didn't work out. This is yeah. not the first time that it has happened. And, and it's not the last time it's going to happen. Like it sucks that you did work so hard on this. But all the bombs that have happened in the past, those people worked really hard too. It is, yeah. you know, I mean, I always, George Clooney's great when he <laughs> talks about being in Batman. Yeah, he can laugh about it now, right? Because he has that experience and he's succeeded in other areas in his life i mean that tequila brand has good money yeah so you know and that's yeah that's not to say that like you know like people are sensitive like people people have different levels of sensitivity there are things that are going to make john roca really mad on social media that will not bother me like it like we all have our different things and i do think getting inundated with bad reviews or you know thinking to shannon's point being excited and not uh getting the response like it can mess with your head Oh, absolutely. You know, and this is something, you know, I've had to learn over the last few years being in this business. Like, you know, I, I recently got into some scrapes about my comments around Charmino Bechanoi and saying that all these people who are going after her because she's an activist filmmaker need to realize it's okay. We're all going to live. It's fine. Uh, and then recently I went after The Rock for some of the stuff he recently pulled in the WWE. I didn't enjoy this WrestleMania kickoff thing last night. And all these people were so upset that I didn't like it like they liked it. And I open my social media and it's just denigration, 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 denigration. Uh, and the recent Star Wars show we did, uh, all these right wing people jumped in or right wing fans or whatever jumped in and were criticizing the fact that my YouTube channel only has 30,000 subscribers. The view count, all my videos isn't great. These are these things, soy boy, all that fucking weak ass shit. You just have to deal with it. That's the game. And uh, But I do applaud Kumail and I tweeted this out that he realized that he was going down a dark path. He realized it was affecting his relationship. He realized he was sensitive to this stuff and went and got help. That's really important. Whatever your feelings are, and Shannon, I take your point. Michael, I take your points. What, As you said, Michael, everyone is sensitive in different ways. So if it affected you and is affecting your life, affecting your relationship, that's when you got to go get therapy. You know, you guys know, uh, you know, I had a friend uh, confront me with therapy years ago in the early 2000s that really helped me. And then when I fell apart in 2016, having two incredible therapists put me back together and help me to understand where all that was coming from has been essential. So it's important to understand no matter what position you're in, that things affect you. And if they do, it's important to go get help. Um, that being said, there was no weird thing in the soup. The movie is just not good. And I, I all these people keep defending the movie and saying that it's great and that something else is the reason why the movie didn't do well. No, it's just that people didn't like it. It's just that part of moving past the situation is accepting a situation. And I think more people involved in that movie need to accept the movie just wasn't good. It's not personal. It just wasn't good. So, but see, uh, I mean, like, look, you and I mm-hmm. sat at that premiere and you sat there and you ha- you hated that movie oh. 20 minutes in. 20 minutes in, it lost me. And I really enjoyed it. Yes, I know. I don't think it's the best Marvel movie ever made. I don't think that they 
you know, broke new ground in superhero movies. No. But I think it's a fun, compelling movie. I think it's a good time. I think it maybe tried to bite off a little more than it could chew. I think, you know, that it didn't quite stick the landing. And I'm still yeah. wondering why nobody's talking about the goddamn alien <laughs> that's frozen I, in the ocean. I think it was but, referencing Loki, I think, but I'm not, I don't know. Uh, yeah. No, I, I'm pretty sure there's just a, uh, She-Hulk sees a, Oh, that's oh, it. She's on her laptop and there's like a little blurb and about I'm, it and that's yeah. it. But, um, but yeah, I just think that he's, there are bad movies. Yes. Object. Like there, like, I don't think that Jason Momoa is going to run around saying he really isn't, he really doesn't know why Aquaman, I mean, Aquaman 2 is going to, is doing fine, but like, yeah, you know, like, or I don't think that the people um who made the flash are going to try and defend the flash anytime soon. Oh man. <laughs> really okay they might they might in public but i don't think that they're really confused about it like i okay. don't think that they're like oh you know if only this hadn't happened i think with eternals there's enough people that do like it and yeah. there's enough other stuff going on with marvel that you can kind of say eh, it's not everyone's favorite movie but i do think there's more going on with the hatred of Eternals than just it's not a good movie. Really? You think there's more? Like I said, like, let's get it. Not, not like, not like there's okay. kind of some conspiracy against Eternals, but it's just yeah. like, it's, it, it, it was the beginning of, I would say, okay. it was the beginning of, okay, where the fuck are we going? <laughs> like where, what's yeah, going on? Like, like way like out people, there. People didn't come out of Eternals and go, this movie on its own is the worst superhero piece of shit I've ever seen, or this is the best superhero. It mm. was part of the, this is when Marvel had been like, okay, so Tony Stark died in Endgame. Peter Parker yep. is upset about Tony Stark's death and he goes on summer vacation. And now yep. we're going back in time and we're seeing that Scarlett Johansson after Civil War went here. Yep. And that's how Florence Pugh, okay, I got it. WandaVision takes place right after Endgame, cool. And then Eternals comes along and goes, we have been here the whole time, but we did not help them with Thanos because we are gods. <laughs> and everyone went, okay. And then they're like, also Harry Styles. <laughs> and we're like, okay. Okay, but like, but okay, where are we going? Yeah, and I think that was the beginning of that thing. So, in addition to people going, I thought this was a little boring. These characters didn't really jump out to me. It was also there was this Marvel. What are you doing to me? And I don't think that's anyone on Eternals' fault specifically. It's also some of the bigger Marvel decisions that were being made. That's fair. I guess that's fair. Uh, I I just it's just I've seen it three times and each time it's like putting a cheese grater on my face. I it's just not <laughs> it's just not my Christ. jam. I'm just telling you it's not my jam. And I really wish we could get away from all. I see people in the business and I see other um you know like letterbox critics coming out with these posts on Twitter that become that go viral and they're just like, you know, there's a big conspiracy here and they loop in the Marvels now, you know, because it's on Disney Plus. People are like Oh, now you're discovering the Marvel. Now you know it's a good movie. It's like, no, the bar is lowered because everybody destroyed it. And then now you're watching it at home on Disney+. Plus. You're going to be more relaxed in your judgment of the movie. There was no conspiracy. People are like, oh, Variety wanted to sink the movie. And you just get into that. And I hear some of that with Eternals. There's, there was something going on here. And it's like, come on, guys. It's just people no, that no. like the movie. Why can't we just accept that people don't like a movie? 
know. I'm not gonna lie. I'll pop the marbles on. I'm, knock yourself out. I'll pop the marbles on. I'll be like, yeah. I, 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 I have yet said, to pop on. Here's Vogel again, grading the MCU on a curb. You're right, Frank. He does. He's got a sweet <laughs> <laughs> nah, Maybe. Maybe. It's fair. I, I, could be, I could be the Mike Kalinowski of the MCU. <laughs> it, it might be true. Um, so, so sure. Fair. But, like, I don't think Marvels is good. <laughs> Like I'm not gonna sit here like I like right. I agree with Roca, which is what I was about to say. Ooh. Like I'll pop the marbles on. Like I think it's harmless. Yeah. Um, I I thought, and we said it's this when we reviewed thing. it. I think the marbles is because I like the three characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is a yeah, fine. Put it on in the background, whatever. Whereas like Multiverse of Madness and Thor: Love and Thunder actively make me angry. Quantumania. Um, mm-hmm. What? Quantumania is kind of in the Marvel's territory. Yeah, for me. Yeah, I don't I think it's good. Right, right, right. Like, I don't think Quantumania is a good movie by any stretch. Right. But as Paul Rudd as Scott Lang is great. Michelle oh. Pfeiffer, I'm cool. So yeah. you can call it on a curve if I want. I, I don't think any of these movies, like, what is it, the five movies? Like, Multiverse of Madness, Thor, Love and Thunder, Quantumania, the Marvels. Wakanda Forever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Wakanda Forever, I'll put in there too. Like, yeah. I don't think any of them are great. Okay. Like, they're they're not. But Wakanda Forever, uh, Marvels, and Quantumania, like, mm-hmm. I might put it on on a Sunday afternoon when I'm hungover and okay. have it on in the background and be like, cool. Whereas, like, Multiverse of Madness and Thor, Love, and Thunder, I don't know that I will ever go back to. Like, I really don't <laughs> like them. So, but all that being said, to my point, to John's point, I don't think there's some conspiracy. I don't think that everyone's yeah, yeah. out to get Marvel. I don't think these movies are coming out and everyone is, like, dogpiling on them just to be shitty. Yeah. I think that people are literally like, guys, this is not as good as what you were doing. Yes. Yeah. Last night, uh, you know, flying back, I I put on Multiverse of Madness, Mm. like like on the plane, just because I'm like, I want where like, uh, why is this movie not what I want it to be? (laughs) Um, This is how it was with Superman v. Batman, uh, Shannon and Michael. I watched that film 10 or 15 times to be like, where is it that it loses me? Yeah, I hear you, Shannon. And honestly, like outside of that first scene where America and and Ponytail Strange are running from the one monster, because I do think visually, I'm like, this scene is, this is visually dynamic. This is great. The moment it loses me is they do this big jump onto a floating, on a floating piece of rock and they both superhero land. I'm like, nope, that's right there. That's right there. <laughs> like you need to hit that and roll. Like like I start to look at it from from an action uh from yeah. an action spot, but then as soon as he wakes up, like the strange's whole emotional journey, I'm kind of like, yeah, I just don't I just don't buy this right now and the way Raimi films things, I'm like this looks like Spider-Man from O2. Yeah. I mean, like, it looks exactly like his New York in Doctor Strange looks exactly like his his Spider-Man New York yeah. from O2. Um but yeah, I mean there are movies that I will certainly pop on like I, I've popped on Love and Thunder to be like, why did they decide to make Stormbreaker sentient and like he's jealous of me? Like that's such an odd. Like I imagine that was a, uh, that was a Taika choice. Um, oh, yeah, 100%. But also like uh, uh, Quantum Mania, I've popped that on just because, yeah. despite Jonathan Major's personal stuff, I'm like, man, he he's good in this role. Like I do like to watch him. So yeah, but I, I agree with you all. There is not a conspiracy. <laughs> to yeah. take down Eternals. Um, if, if a movie yeah. is good, or it's good. People will well, come out I and know like Because I know, John, you got upset when it came out, when Marvels came out, because there was a little bit, and I think this does happen, like, 
a little bit of like if you don't like the Marvels, it's because you don't like women superheroes or you don't uh, yeah. like this or you don't like that. Or and I don't think color. that was true either. Yeah. I think that there there are people. It is oh, true sure. that there are people oh, sure. on social media that are going to come after any superhero movie that stars a bunch of women. Like, of course, I don't want. Yeah. Like, that's just true. But they got to make their also, money. Yeah. There are also a lot of people that are like, no, Marvels. I just didn't like it. Yeah. And I think that we are at the point where a lot of these movies, like, they're not as good as the as as the movies that were coming before them. Yeah, and I don't think it serves anything to have people do victory laps about these movies. Oh, now you like it, and it's like. What are you doing? What are you, 12? Like, it, to me, it's like, it's ridiculous to see that kind of stuff from adults, people in their 20s acting like that. It's like, some of them, some of them might be 12, though, John. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, <laughs> trust me, I've seen them. I know them. And I just go, what are you doing? You know, it just, it to me, it just kind of is conflicting purpose because the last thing people want to be do, want to do is to be shamed into liking a movie or shamed into going to, to, to reevaluate a movie. That ain't the way to do it, especially if someone's gloating next to you about the film. It's like, no, you should be like, I love that you loved it. I love that you watched it. It's awesome that you took a chance to watch it on Disney Plus and enjoyed it. Why not celebrate it instead of gloating about it as if you need to be right about a movie, which is impossible because movies are subjective. Yeah, but you know, I mean, look. Here we go. <laughs> well, no, I was just thinking about because we were talking about the Jurassic Park movies and like, look. By the way, we're over two hours. Don't blame me that we're going this long. Uh, I just want to make it clear. So go ahead. Real quick, just real quick. Just real quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, thing. but I do think there's a, like, movies can change over time. Like, sure, I was disappointed in The Lost World when I yeah. saw it in theaters. Like, compared yeah. to Jurassic Park, I was like, the hell is this? I'll put The Lost World on now. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. compared to Jurassic World Dominion, like yeah. I have a blast watching Lost World. I mm -hmm. think there's some amazing sequences in that movie. So yeah. do, does that mean that I have discovered that Lost World was actually great all along? Right. Or does that mean that as a casual watch on my couch, it's better than sitting in a theater? You know, like I just think that like also people can just enjoy movies for the why they enjoy movies. If you exactly. if you were like, yeah. I didn't want to go see the Marvels because I fucking hated that, and then you pop it on, on Disney Plus and you were like, you know what? I like that Kamala Khan. Like, you're right. Yeah. 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 Should be celebrated. Like I said, and I, you know, like Max here, John, you're being too dramatic. I think the last Jedi is absolute poop trash and I've watched it 20 times. You can handle it. That's the kind of stuff that I hate as you're being too bad. No, let me be how I want to be about movies. And Max, I won't tell you how to be about movies. Let everybody just be man. People need to let people be. If you like the movie, you like it. If you don't like the movie, you don't like it. If it feels well, like dragging a cheese grater across your face, that's okay. I loved it. Okay. Let's that. all go forward and let's all go to In-N-Out and get a burger. It doesn't but, matter. Anyway, but by that argument, which I yes. don't disagree with, yes. if someone wants to take a victory lap on Twitter and say, I'm so glad that people are discovering no, 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 no. Marvel. That's different. That's different. <laughs> that's different. Is it though? It is. It is. Because that's so you Max, sticking it in there. So Max, in your calls, face. Max calls my Max calls one of my favorite Star Wars movies poop trash. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that tells you you're dramatic. One of those statements is a little bit true. Yeah, it is poop and, trash. And, it is poop trash. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, but you're right. But like, we live in social media. Everyone's doing crazy shit. Unless you are like being a douche wad. Like, you know what? You loved Miss Marvel. Everyone else hated it. 
Now people are going, oh, I watched it on Disney Plus and it wasn't so bad. And you're like, I'm so glad people are discovering this. That's cool. Right. That's cool. Say that. I'm so glad people are discovering it. Don't go, I told you so. That's the difference, I think, in my opinion. That's what I don't like to see. All right. Uh, do you guys want to get into the Corona lawsuit or shall we just table that and jump into some super chats? Yeah. All right. Let's do that. Let's take a quick break and we'll get into super chats and stream labs right after this. Do, 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 do. Super chats. <laughs> oh, that is good. We've discovered something new, my friend. I love it. Uh, all right. Where did we leave off at? Did, 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 oh, yeah. Uh, Dan, Don Ronaldo McWhiskey just saying support. Thank you, Don. Very kind of you. Cowboys fan, Cowboys fan 92 says, P.S. Roke, I've almost finished the hot mic intro beat. All right, I'm looking forward to hearing it, brother. Looking forward to hearing it. Fantastic says, if they have Hitler trying to get a predator to win the war, then I'm out. Geek Buddies minus one. Oh, my God. Listen, man. <laughs> that sounds, sounds wild, I'm in. <laughs> they will get the predator. All right, Don Ronaldo McWhiskey says, I think the tax write-offs has more to do with the lack of faith in other projects with all this dang inflation than it does with how much money we think Coyote versus Acme will make. I don't know, dude. I'm not in those studio conversations. I'm not an accountant. I've never been in a studio accountant. So I don't know what it is, but I know for me it radiates a bad message to creatives, in my opinion, even though Kugler and Paul Thomas Anderson just signed deals with them. So well, what do you guys think of this? Anything? I mean, I just think in general, at the end of the day, it just gets to like, as soon as you try and like make financial sense out of the creative industry, you're running it, like everything <laughs> yeah. is a gamble. It's true. Very true. Jay Blink says, um, should Sony have given the same treatment to Madame Webb as WB did to Batgirl? No. Sadly, no. I, right. I think once you go down the road of greenlighting a movie, you, you make it as good as you can make it. Hmm. And then... You got to give it a shot. <laughs> By the way, now, I'm seeing this thing in three days. And I am very, <laughs> very interested to see. What if I like it? What am I going to do if I like it? Oh, man. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll, get, I'll get really mad and dramatic. <laughs> there you go. Marta Von Gray. Uh, hey, Marta says, thanks for helping my day uh, a little brighter and making my day a little brighter and geekier. Thank you, Marta, for letting us. Yeah. Right, gentlemen? Yeah. Hey. That's what hey. Uh, Ryan says, um, always wanted to know your guys' thoughts on Foundation. Truly think it's trumping Star Wars and Marvel for me. I do not watch the show. Gentlemen, do you guys watch the show? So, My brother and I watched the first, like, four episodes. Okay. And it was interesting. Okay. But it didn't fully grab me. Okay. And then I kind of fell off. But I've heard from people, particularly with season two, that I should go back and revisit it. And, like... To be fair, I did the same thing with For All Mankind, and it took yeah. me a year and a half to get back to it, and now it's one of my favorite shows on TV. So if you okay. think that I should come back to Foundation, I'm super willing to dive back in. I'll probably rewatch the ones that I watched and keep going, but if people are saying that it's worth it and that it's doing sci-fi better than Star Wars and Marvel, uh, I'm in. I'll okay. check it out. Jared, have you watched it? Yeah, I watched the first two. I really like Jared Harris. Um, but wait, wait, first uh, two episodes or seasons? 
first two first two episodes okay okay um but it's a big world and mm-hmm. you really have to pay attention it's not something that you can casually throw on like because right. like the, the whole thing with lee pace's character i was kind of like okay so i think i understand what this triumvirate is um but there's just there's a lot there's a lot of stuff going on that you need to pay careful attention to and i just wasn't at the time slightly dense show i think their tv shows are so much better than their movies man i don't know why they can't transfer that kind of quality overall to their movies because the apple shows are great um sharon paula says super sticker thank you sharon appreciate you sending in the love always love you supporting our shows uh sharon haunted underscore autos is the man the myth the enigmatic hummer of musical interludes himself shannon mcclung returns huzzah <laughs> huzzah thank you haunted autumn uh shaunuk uh kulhali long time viewer first time donating to my favorite podcast out there oh thanks oh thank very you kind. very kind and cr says uh showing you guys love oh thank you CR. also very thank kind. you yeah. we we see you <laughs> oh god we did did we miss that? i know you say you, you said you missed me <laughs> you gotta you gotta miss all of me you gotta miss all of me <laughs> that's what i always tell the lady um <laughs> you can't just love part of me anthony b says the media has been hyping the four young stars of dune tune as just as this generation's best actors i love them all especially shalaman pew do you agree that they are a-listers in their own right or does their success still depend on finding the right IP. I guess the four young stars, right? Florence Pugh, Chalamet, Zendaya, and Austin Butler. I would say they're all A-listers in my book, especially Austin after Elvis. And he's going to have that bike riders film coming out with um, uh, Tom Hardy. Yes. Is that right? Yes. 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 And Jodie Comer. Right. Uh, Definitely. Definitely Florence Pugh, uh, Zendaya, and Austin Butler. Um, Ooh, I'm, still, on the fence I'm, I'm on the fence after after watching Wonka. I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure. Like, Wait, Wonka made five hundred and fifty million dollars so far, bro. You don't. Tell me I'm not talking. Of, I'm not talking about financial success. I'm talking oh. about like he 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 did for that role in particular. Mm. Um, he did not have the magic for me. Okay, and because Dune again, having not really read the books, um, Dune was was a little uh, distant. And his performance did not bring me in any closer. Okay, fair. They're all A-list. Well, actually, I mean, I think Austin Butler's an A-lister, but I don't know yet. The other three are for sure A-listers. I agree with you. I agree with you, Michael. Austin Butler, I think, think did great. I think Mm -hmm. he's great. I think it's a little weird that he had to hire somebody to help him get rid of that Elvis accent. (laughs) But... Um, but I mean, I think he's in what I've seen him do. He's, he was very good, but the other three have sort of become household names. Yeah. So I think like, I don't think he's quite hit that level but he very well could mm-hmm. in the next year well i think all the other ones have had a longer head start than he has yeah. so he will get there i think eventually for sure mike i agree with you he's the one that's the most questionable of the four right now um for a list status camp chapman says sending support appreciate being able to watch you guys live down here cheers gents thank you Cam. is that down here you think australia do you think is that what you're thinking no Maybe? I mean, I was I was assuming it's the UK or Australia, but he said mm-hmm. down here. Yeah, I thought he meant I thought he meant Long Beach. <laughs> yeah, they're very proper in Long Beach. <laughs> Cheers, Jen. My proper. <laughs> Anthony <laughs> says, any thoughts on Star Trek Star Trek Picard season three winning best science fiction series at the Saturn Awards? Kudos to Stuart, Frakes, and Ryan as well. Frakes acting especially moved me. I can't ask this question on the show with Jeff as much as I love him. That's right because he doesn't watch Star Trek. Uh, yeah, gentlemen. Uh, first of all, I loved it. Uh, There's great Terry Metalis being there, Jerry Ryan, all of them uh, getting so much love. I think Frakes won uh, for his acting uh, Saturn Award as well. But yeah, it, it was great to see that. What did you guys think? Did you see the 
they got those awards. Yeah, look, I've said it before. I said it on almost every Picard review that we did. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are certain storylines, arcs in Star Trek that sustain us through all of the cheesy shit that Star Trek puts us through sometimes. True. And Picard season three is one of them. It is one of the best seasons of sci-fi television that has ever been. Yeah. It's great. I agree, 100%. That and Strange New World Season 2 was a great one-two punch, man. Oh, oh so good. Uh, I am 2 Fly Cam says, Greetings, Vogel. I'm greatly convinced that Disney and Iger are going to lay off a large amount of animation staff soon. They produced almost all of this Moana movie in Vancouver, and there's rumors they used AI on large portions of the animation to cut costs. Oh, what did I tell you? And or Season 2 has wrapped. We will see. Okay, so we will see peak Star Wars again soon. When it comes to the movies announced for Star Wars, Let's okay. Let's separate these are two separate ones. So let's deal with that. Vogel, do you want to address that? Because I, I don't know anything about that. I don't know if Shannon can chime in on this. But what do you think about what he said about uh, large animation staff maybe being uh, laid off here from Disney? I, you will see. I mean, I don't know. I, look, I think that all studios are doing layoffs right now. My friends at Paramount are all, and my friends at Nickelodeon are all worried because of the, like rumors about Paramount layoffs. Like, yeah. there's tons of layoffs everywhere. Tons of people that I know in the animation industry are like just not working at the moment because everyone is like there's not there's not a lot of shows going there's not a lot yeah. of stuff happening so that could very well happen I don't think that Disney's given up on animation anytime soon yeah. and I think with the Moana situation like the fact that they were making that show largely in Vancouver you know I know the Monsters University show or the Monsters Inc show that they made was made out of house too like mm, so when they're right. doing the TV shows they're going out of house which is not unheard of uh, now. To the point of is that is that animation up to the caliber of what we want to see on the screen? That's going to remain to be seen, and we'll see in November. Yeah, the AI thing I haven't heard, uh, and I'd be curious to know more about because I know that like the same thing came up with like Spider Man and Sony, where people oh, on Twitter right. were yeah. going crazy about you know well, the AI, the AI, but it actually ended up that it, the AI was being used in a way that you should use AI that was making it easier for animators to do stuff. Right. So right. again, AI as a tool, yeah, yeah which yeah. is here to stay. There are a lot of uses for AI that will allow you to cut costs and allow animators to focus on the creative stuff that they want to do. And that does not mean, oh my God, AI made this movie. So there there are definitely ways that they could be using AI that we might not like, and it could be shitty. So I would want to know more about how the AI was being used before I uh, was cheering it or cursing it. Fair enough. Well, Shannon, you want to chime in on this or you want to wait? No, I think I think Vogel got it. I think Vogel did too. I have two black cam also says and or see and or season two has wrapped. Yes. We will see we'll we will see peak Star Wars again soon. When it comes to the movies announced for Star Wars, what are you both what are you all most excited for? And do you think Rachel Zegler will cast will be cast in Star Wars soon? She's a rising star that Lucasfilm would like, right? Um gentlemen, thoughts on that? I think everyone's a little nervous about Rachel Ziegler. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think a year ago, um, maybe, but now she she is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, but I mean, the ballad of Song and Snakes that made it that that did a good job at the box office. So yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't Rachel or, Zegler in. Yeah, fair. It's less about her performance or how she is in the movies or how her movies do, and more about everything else. Okay, fair point. Fair point. Um. All right. Well, what about the Star Wars? Which ones are you guys looking forward to the most? Um. Any I mean, I mean, like, Lord knows what's going to happen. Uh, but yeah. the man- the mangled uh, Jedi origin film is the one that's the most interesting to me. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. I'm, I'm more curious about that one. Michael, any thoughts? Honestly, the Daisy Ridley movie, the Ray movie. Oh, okay. Okay. Just because, like, of everything that I love about Star Wars and I love a lot of things about it, like, I really want to know what comes next. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Um, yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I think those are the movies that I'm looking forward to the most as well. Um, and, yeah, Zegler, I think she, there's a possibility for sure for Zegler to be a part of this. Because eventually we're going to have to beat back these people. This is my opinion. Like, these people can't rule and decide who is cast in what. You know, we have to eventually beat back this negative, toxic, vitriolic side of Star Wars that is trying to consume Star Wars just so certain people can make fun money off the hate. And we've got to stop that from happening at some point. Not that you can't express your opinion, but it's become so like you can't cast anybody because they're always going to find excuses for who you cast to denigrate them. And it's just like you can't be afraid of that. Anybody if, really if you're going to cast that. Zegler, I mean, but, you know, but I don't. Like, like, look, to be fair, like, Rachel Ziegler getting cast or not cast, I think it's because, not because people online are like, I don't like Rachel Ziegler, so casting directors are like, oh, those online fans don't like her, don't touch it. Uh-huh. I think it's like, she says a bunch of stuff, and you're like, eh, she's she's not great on the card. Oh, that's like, fair. To... Total, total. So I, I, I don't, just to be fair, I, I don't actually think that casting directors and executives at studios are going, with the exception of Rise of Skywalker, which was a shit show of them just kind of you know, okay, let's give them what they want. Get Rose Tico out of there. Yeah. But like, aside from that, I don't think that people are going, oh, the toxic fanboys are are speaking. We better listen to them. Okay. All right. I don't know if I agree with you, but I respect your opinion on that. I think everyone's paying attention to social media nowadays. Um, Parker says, I love you guys. I'm overwhelmed with how handsome you all look tonight. Well, those two do for sure. Ron and I are wondering how you'd all fix your least favorite comic book movie Thank you for the show. We really need the Geek Buddies in times like these. Ooh. Oh, is that Parker and Broen? I think so. Yeah. Ah. There you go. From the Flix Capacitor podcast. Oh, yes. I keep forgetting that I that they've requested that I should respond to them about coming on the show. I apologize. <laughs> I, keep, I keep forgetting that they've requested that I should respond is a... Well, I want that on a t-shirt. I It's two <laughs> hours and 25 minutes, man. My mouth is dying. Well, so I will say, I will say, look, question. I actually think this is yeah. a great question. I do But too. because we are two hours and 25 minutes <laughs> in, I would like to punt this to a, oh. that's a really good geek bite. Oh, yes. Let's do a geek bite on this next week. The idea of uh, how we would fix our least favorite comic book movie. Each of us picks a least favorite comic book movie and we say how we might fix it. That would be fun. I like that idea. Uh, Parker, if you're okay with that, we're going to punt it. Uh, unless Shannon wants to answer it. Are you good? Now? No. <laughs> I'm very tired. Okay, fair enough. Let's move to the last one. I know uh, I in- look healthy, but I'm exhausted. <laughs> you do. In-law fans said, would love to see the Geek Buddies team up with Dan Murrow for reviewing a movie or a series. Seeing Vogel and Murrow interact on YouTube is on my bucket list. Also, Vogel, have you seen Nimona? Was surprised it did not make your favorite summer movies. You know, I mean, it did not. Yeah, I guess it didn't make my my favorite summer movies, but I loved it. I thought it was great. I was I, I watched it. I was in uh, I was on the East Coast when it came out uh, at a big house for Fourth of July weekend that was filled with like thirty people, and I had to like find the time when nobody was going to be in the living room, and I locked all the doors so that I could watch it without being interrupted. Um, but I thought it was great. I thought they did a really great job. I think it's a yeah. beautiful movie. I think that they actually kind of did some really cool stuff. Uh, and adapting it from the original comic book. Yeah. Did they really change some stuff that I thought was interesting? Um, 
So I love it. I'm thrilled that it got nominated for an Academy Award, um, and I'm a very big fan. That's awesome. Yeah, I got to see Nimona. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, and there you go. All right, let's uh, lock it up there. All right, thank you all so much for hanging out with us. Two and a half hours, and I did not anticipate that. I thought for sure 90 to a two hours most, but we're very uh, uh, thankful to everybody who sent in Streamlabs and Super Chats, and for the over 300 of you who were joining us for almost the entire show. So we thank you very, very much. Real quick, remember to subscribe. Uh, oh, no, wait, I don't handle that on this show. Shannon, what do we have to tell Oh, boy, it's been a minute. So if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies, on Instagram at The underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media and see more of my tan, on Twitter, it's at <laughs> Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKTune. If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Uh, Mikey, what do we have to tell him? It has been a joy hanging out with all of you for these past two and a half hours. We are almost as long as Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, But here's what you can do for us now that we have done all this for you. You can smash that like button below if you haven't already. You can subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page and check out all the amazing content he's got there. The The live chat's been great, but if you are catching us later, leave your comments below. Let us know what you thought of literally everything that we talked about. If you are listening to us on a podcast, leave us some stars and some comments so we go up in the rankings and more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, post it on your social, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. Yeah, and I can't reiterate this enough what Michael just said. The podcast is so important. Please subscribe wherever you download podcasts. You can listen to our shows all over again. You don't have to listen or see our pretty faces. You just listen to us. And please patronize the sponsors that we have, BetterHelp and uh, and, uh, HelloFresh. They're fantastic people who are supporting the show now. So please patronize them as you go along and uh, give them love here as part of the show so we can get more sponsors coming on to the show to sponsor the podcast as well. A big shout out to Realm, who we have our our podcast on for helping us get those sponsors on. So there you go. Just want to throw that out there. All right. Y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. Go 49ers. Uh, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here of The Geek Buddies! <gasps> Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.